you're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 44. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and other stuff. Send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Follow us on Twitter at codingblocks or head to www.codingblocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. Wait, www? Well, I mean, I'm I had, confused now. I had to do it for everybody, right? What if it was dub w dub? It could be. Can I go there? We'll switch it up next time. We have what three times two times one. We have that many permutations of that. So, uh, with that, I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. All and, right. Yeah, first up here, we got some podcast news. And actually, the first thing we're going to address is a question that we received just a day or two ago from Svitan, maybe, uh, or Vitan. I don't, I don't really know exactly how that one's pronounced. It's the first name that I've seen that I had no idea. You know what? That kind of actually makes me feel a little bit more normal that you know you have trouble pronouncing a name every now and then too because i was beginning to develop a complex because you guys would always just roll through these names and i don't know if you were just making it up as you went but it always sounded really confident like oh i guess that is how you pronounce it i actually should have left this one to you because i'm curious if it would have come out kavitan or I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what you would have done with this one uh corvette tan <laughs> all right so i would have probably been way off all right, hopefully we have not offended you, and hopefully we're going to give you a good answer here. Uh, Corvette's a good car. I hope not. All right, so he's basically asking here, I'm not going to read the entire paragraph, but he's talking about the fact that, you know, with the advent of newer technologies like MongoDB and other things like that, it seems like some of the DevOpsy type stuff that needs to be done nowadays is sort of going away because, like, if you're dealing with a database like SQL or Oracle, like, doing some administrative tasks with those things can take quite a bit of time. Like you could eat up a day easily, whereas MongoDB, you don't really mess with it. So he was basically asking here, is everyone going to be a full stack DevOps developer in 10 to 15 years? Like basically is this kind of stuff going to be, you know, is it going to be easier? You know, okay, so I'll go first. My immediate reaction is, I mean, I kind of hope so. I, I kind of like that, right? But m my gut says that it strongly depends on the type of dev shop, though. Because where I have found where you're going to have that, that DevOp culture in your team is when your, you know, quote, product is like a website or service or something like that. But if you're doing like a product that gets shipped right then it's less so that's at least been my experience does that make sense yeah <clears throat> so i think there's always going to be a job for somebody who can make other people's lives easier so i don't see devops going away there's so much more we can be doing i mean it just the thought of um well i don't think did, he was suggesting it would go away but it was the rise of the devops or you think like and the non-devops going like away more dev duties I think, did I read his question wrong? He was thinking more like the non-DevOps jobs would start to dwindle. Oh, interesting. So things would become more operationalized. I think we've seen a big trend towards that in programming in general, like bigger moves to towards like using frameworks and less uh, hand-coding stuff. So I can see a bit of that. Well, let me read the question that he posed at the very end. Um, with uh, as more and more tasks and processes get automated and with the recent push towards DevOps, 
It makes me think that traditional operations folk like DBAs will be less needed in the future. What do you guys think? So, it, yeah, but then he says specifically, is everyone going to be a full stack DevOps developer in 10 to 15 years? And so I, I guess my take on this is, dude, RDBMSs and those kind of things aren't going away anytime soon because they're still core. And, and while the Mongos of the world make a lot of sense, they still it's not quite the same as a centralized data platform, right? Like one of the big things with, 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 and I know this isn't a database versus um, a developer type thing, but I think there's still going to be roles for people that do those other kind of maintenance things, right? There's more to DevOps though, than just DB, uh, you know, DB work, DBA work. Yeah. I mean, you know, system like, you know, your bare, Metal system admin absolutely type work. You've got you've got um, build systems, whether it's continuous builds or uh, there's there's so much. But I don't know that I let Joe finish his point though with the um you know everyone you know they're always being a place for that guy who makes your job easier. Yeah, totally. Go ahead, finish that up. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking um there's there's always room for that, but I do see the point that uh, you know as as full stack or the kind of the rise of the full stack developer and there's these larger, larger frameworks and things like Docker come along that kind of um, uh, make things easier to do. What it does is it pushes those responsibilities to other people. And so you might see less DevOps people and more, more developers and more business people doing DevOps type things as those kind of um, grow into other spots. And that's the thing that kind of sucks and is also cool about programming is the better you get at something in one. And uh, the further you can push it down and, and consolidate it and get it into a, like a reproducible thing that you've mastered, um, you know, you basically just automate at that point and then you focus on the harder stuff. So there's always a tougher solve, problem to solve. There's always something uh, icky and difficult. And uh, yeah, well, I don't there's think also, any jobs are going away. just changing. Yeah. And there's also, you could, hmm, how to say this? Uh, it's a good thing I have a microphone in my face. You could also. <laughs> Uh, make the claim too that like depending on well how extreme do you want to take the whole you know operational part of DevOps right because as thing as more and more VMs are used like you know Vagrant as an example right just the fact that you could bring down a VM as your uh you know development environment right that's some operational uh work that has been taken away now now the developer could just do that on his own right. Like, that's not something, like, it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, if you got a new job, somebody was setting up a computer before you before you even walked in the door, right? And now, like, that time is shrinking and because of things like, uh, you know, VMs. And as the use of VMs are, you know, uh, different cloud environments, you know, that, that it's making it easier for the developer to just, oh, hey, let me spring, set up this new VM to do X, Y, and Z or whatever, you know? You know, I'm going to piggyback on what Joe said, though, with the whole, it's it's not that they go away. I think they change. And what makes me really feel like this is because, you know, what, 10 years ago, everybody was about, you know, creating sites and, and creating applications to where they could get information and, and whatever. And now it's sort of shifting towards, you know, we have all this data. Let's start using it, right? Let's start doing things with it. And so now there's different problems, right? Like, so, like what you were talking about, you have vagrants, you have the dockers of the world. Well, those things don't come free, right? Like as those things start scaling out, you have you have 
horizontal scaling systems that you need to deal with. You need to provision resources. That. So I think it's probably going to shift from a lot of the things, the problems that have been solved. It's almost like you, you guys both remember four GL languages came out and they're like, Oh, the role of a programmer is not going to exist in 10 years. Right. And I think that's kind of the same type paradigm, right? Like what you see is the programming problems get more difficult. And so you still need somebody that can manage those new things that have to be taken care of. So, well, I've also always had, or for an extremely long time, had this opinion that um, a good, uh, uh, the, you know, everybody's going to have their strengths, right? And so, a a great developer is a good admin, and a great admin is a good developer. Kind of, you know, point of view, which lends itself well to that whole DevOps kind of mindset, because you know, not everybody is going to be strong at the same thing. Right, and you know, I mean, I remember, especially early in my career, I would take, um, you know, uh, what would you call them? I guess continuing education type classes. Yeah, like um, specifically for administration of things that I didn't want to be an administrator in that. You know, I, I didn't want that as a job title per se, but I wanted to better understand it so that as a developer, I know what I'm working with. Like, like. <clears throat> You know, one example that comes to mind is MQ series, if you recall that. Like, I had no desire of ever, you know, having a job title of an MQ series administrator back in the day. But, you know, courses were available and, and I took those courses so that I could, you know, learn how to administer it as a, you know, just to better myself from a developer point of view. So, you know, I think, yeah. A similar experience. Like I learned Linux literally, so I could, so I could set up um, VMs and understand how it all fit together. It, having an understanding of that actually makes you a better programmer. But I think to his question, I, I really don't think DevOps is going to necessarily go away. I think you're still going to have people that focus on that. Are developers going to have to be a little bit more involved with it? Probably, right? But uh, I mean, at least so they understand the the how all the things structurally fit together, but I don't see it going away. I see it maybe shifting. Well, I mean, to Joe's point though, you're always going to have, there's always going to be a need and room for that specialist that yep. knows, uh, you know, insert technology here backwards and forwards. And I don't care if that's from a developer point of view or from an administrator point of view, you're always going to have that guy. Totally you're always agree. going to need that guy. Totally agree. Or so, gal. So thanks for the question. Hopefully that gave you a little bit of our insights, uh, be them right, wrong, or somewhere in between. And uh, next up, our reviews. So hey, as, what? Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, we're, it's totally time for reviews. And you want to know the most exciting part about this fruit time? Hmm. I'm pretty sure I don't have to say any of the names. I think it's <laughs> up to you two this time. So you two can pick who wants to do Stitcher and iTunes. All right. I, I'll go for the iTunes ones this time. How about that? Oh, that's easier. Okay. Oh, wait. Hey, man, if you're scared, I'll do the other one. Actually, I think I you guys do. are both getting off easy. Yeah, these are pretty simple. I think even yeah, so even iTunes Outlaw it, uh, could say these. You know what? I'll, I'll take Stitcher. <laughs> I'll, I'll, stay, I'll take Stitcher, and I'll, I'll reserve my uh, not having to say random names. No, 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 no. Oh, Joe, you got iTunes. I got Stitcher. Let's do dang. this. Dang. Yeah, sure. So uh, iTunes reviewers are Music Manic 2, Yaxley EXB, MJ Hayes 412, Lord Prunello of Dorset, and for Stitcher, it's Isaiah22, Runner Woes, Greg On, and L. Piak. 
Oh wait, did I just totally step over you guys' thing? You did. See, Man. see how, oh, my bad. see uh, how easy <laughs> he makes that look though. Like these random names. Hey, by the way, there was a there were a couple that were really good. Like there was one guy who said he left his family business and started programming, and we helped him with that. That's honestly like I, I don't know about you guys, and I don't know that we've ever gotten fully sentimental on the show. But part of why Hold on, let me love, go get some tissues. Right. Part of why I love doing this personally is I love to help people. I love to see people succeed and I love to see people get better and do things that they like and feel empowered. And so when I read that review, I actually felt super good about the fact. Now I hope that he succeeds and I, I hope he does well. Yeah, I don't want him blaming us. That right. would that'd be awkward. But that that was really cool. So yeah, um, yeah. How cool is it to, to help people make things? Right. You make you make things out of magic and nothing. Yeah, he, he said he, that was actually uh, Music Manic that said that. It says I've been listening for over a year now and have loved every episode. Last year, I decided to take the plunge and leave my family's printing company to take my passion for programming into a career in software development. So that is totally a scary endeavor, right there. When you have like, here's the safe option, right? Right. I could just do what the family's been doing yep. and you know keep status quo or you know you could go off and do the thing that like really inspires you that you're passionate about that that thing that excites you right I mean it's it's scary but at the same time you just want to applaud and say bravo man and thanks for letting us be a part of that like that's truly exciting so uh, and I apologize for mispronouncing stitcher there <laughs> I'm pretty good about everything else uh, and, you know, I want to say too, though. I noticed uh, that that shirt that Joe is rocking there. That's a nice looking shirt, Joe. Yes, sir. Yeah, I love the shirt. I've been wearing it for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Working from home, yo. Uh, Wait, was that in between showers? Hopefully, I, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I walked right into that. Well, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, you haven't even made any comments on my lovely uh, shirt of choice this evening. Oh, is it GNR? Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah Guns N' Roses was in the Atlanta area, and I went. <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know, I know, I know it's not programming related, but I'm still on such. Okay, so first of all, a little like background meta information for the listening audience. Like, we were actually planning to record last night, <laughs> but the thought of not going to that show was it wasn't quite bringing a tear to my eye, but I was definitely getting emotional. Like, I can't believe I am actually even considering not going to this show, considering that this band hasn't been together, you know, I mean, for the last, what, 20 years that that Axel and Slash have, have uh, you know, not performed together. I, like, I can't believe it. I'm, gonna, I'm actually considering not going to this. I have to go. So we're a day late in recording because of me. But I think that the internet, I hope the internet would understand. What's your favorite song? Oh, favorite, favorite, one favorite song from Guns N' Roses? No, you can't yep. do that. That's why they're one of my top favorite bands, uh, because I can't pick one favorite. It's impossible. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't have one either. No, I mean, it, it was awesome. There, I will say that of the show, it was like a two-hour, 40-minute long performance. And they played dozens of songs, but there were two songs that I really would have liked to have heard, maybe even a third one that I really would have liked to have seen live. Um, and you gonna sing it for us? 
Would you like me to? Can I? Oh, man. Um, I've got a microphone. Okay. Somebody one, count two, me three, in. pause. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Wow, that's cold, man. No, I, mean, I mean, you like listening to this voice now. Why wouldn't you like listening to it sing? You can serenade us, I guess. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, well, we'll sit back from that mic a little bit. I don't want to break the internet. I don't, I don't want to break the internet. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. If, if they if they come to your town, like, there's... I was thinking about this, too, and and... You know, we all we we, you know, we we listen to music as we write code, right? And I know like music is a huge. Alan is always posting different music that he's listening to. We've got, uh, you know, I think there's at least a couple of different uh, Slack channels. Actually, no, I think we may have pruned that down to I just think the it's one. Just the one now, yeah. Um, you know, devoted to like, hey, here's music that you're programming to. But I was thinking about this, like, name. A name, you know, one or two bands that you feel so passionately about that if you had an opportunity to go see that band as like, you know, original as it can possibly get, what would they be? Because I can only think of one other one. Bone if, Thugs and Harmony. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe, you're up next with the surprise. Totally kidding. Uh, I would love to see the original lineup of Spinal Tap. They're just amazing and just really funny down to earth people genesis you're talking about metallica the movie, dude metallica um now i have seen metallica live in concert have you ever seen them live no, in concert no. joe not the original lineup uh so michael I, jackson i i was i was well what do you call in the original lineup um mustaine and uh cliff wait you uh, guys know no, the names that's of people before, in bands what is this before the megadeth no how does it go that meta how do i don't know the name of anybody in a band unless like their well, name because ever is since band. ever since um what's his name jason whatever who is the bassist yes ever since he left and and now they brought on the bassist from suicidal tendencies it's just i haven't I'm not trying to be a hater, but I just haven't been a fan like I once was. But the other band that I was thinking of, though, okay, because obviously there was the the rift between Axel and Slash, and that's why they kind of went their ways. And I guess they've you know enough time has passed; they've made up, and now they decided to tour again. And it was a phenomenal show. If they come to your town, and you have an opportunity, and you even halfway like them, you should definitely go see them. It is worth it. Um, but. The other one that I was thinking of, which is actually, unfortunately, not even possible, if I had the opportunity to go see it, is NWA. <laughs> so wait, you're making fun of my Bone Thugs and Harmony? And you're gonna I wasn't out. making fun of your Bone Thugs and Harmony. I was just surprised because like, who would pick Bone Thugs and Harmony as Master the one P? that they're that mostly passionate what about? What about Master P? Come on, make them say it. No, <laughs> not compared to NWA, man. They don't even consider But But Eazy-E, I mean, that's not even possible. So it's like, you can't even... Hmm. It's not even possible to to have that reunion concert. It can't a happen. Cool J, come on. No, no, I'm not. I'm not as passionate about that. All right, all right, we're killing it. So, all right. <laughs> all man. Right. So so Slack the music channel on Slack. What, what yes, else is there? To yes, say? go check it out. Awesome. Um, speaking of social media type stuff, I submitted to a link to Reddit and I didn't get totally smacked down, which is amazing. And uh, the link was shared. And that's newsworthy and- in and of itself. I know I got some karma for once. <laughs> and uh, and who, who was it that shared that with us on Slack? Um, I didn't finish looking that up because JS Ted Nikki. Oh, okay. Thank you, JS Ted Nikki. Yeah, that was uh, that was killer. That that was exciting. So, what what was in the link there? 
Jay Z. Yeah, it was a uh, 15 top notch podcast for programmers and software developers. And uh, by some sort of mistake, we were in the number one spot, <laughs> which felt really good because usually we're just left off. Okay, now not to t- not to rain on our own parade here. Oh come now, what are you gonna do? Okay, because. Were we the number one, but, yes. or were we just listed first? That's the same thing. Number don't don't no. rain on my parade, sir. Mm, well, okay, but <laughs> the only reason why, like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to seem too cocky about it. If it wasn't intended to be like, hey, this you know, number one is the best, and or if it was just meant as like, okay, here they are, not in any particular order. Look, man, our trifecta of heads show up there at the top. They That's do. So it was totally exciting. Next to the number one. It, yes. It is numbered. It's an ordered list. It, 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 is, it is technically an ordered list, but it does not say anywhere that they are, you know. Because what if, what if they were saving the best for last? Yeah, but I looked at the rest of the list. I mean, we Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So much for the cocky part of that comment, huh? Yeah. My wife listened to the last episode. She said, less Joe, more Kanye. <laughs> more Kanye, right? That's okay. I'm going with that. Okay. Awesome. So, yes, thank you. Uh, if anybody from Make Use Of is listening currently, thank you seriously. Actually, who wrote that article? Yeah, I was looking for a byline on that article and have written not by found Joel one. Lee. Where'd you see yep. that? It's up there in the image. So, thank you, Joel. It's seriously, seriously oh, appreciate there it. it. That's, a, that's a super huge deal, seeing as how we didn't ask for it or anything. So, that was. That was a very awesome part of our day. Yeah, awesome news like that out of left field. And so, hey, you know what? Let me take this as an opportunity to say that, um, you know, like Joe said, he he didn't get totally smacked down on Reddit. But here's how you could help us. How about you, dear listener, if you are a Reddit user, why don't you throw our name out there on a, you know, <laughs> A Reddit article, or if someone's asking about a good podcast or a good resource, or if you want to share a good podcast, you know, in the podcasting uh, or w- whatever subreddit of choice, you know. Oh man, we're gonna get doxxed. Oh, yeah, really? And we apologize for your negative karma that you're about to receive. Because I mean, that's going to be mostly Joe's fault because he's got a really <laughs> bad track record with it. Uh, oh man, let me go delete my user account before I get destroyed. Right. So the next thing up, uh, I had to re- I had to revisit this because uh, MS Dev Show, um, Jason and Carl did an excellent episode on Bash on Windows, and I highly recommend it. We'll have a link in the show notes. But if you remember right, Outlaw was like, "Yeah, I don't know if Bash on Windows is going to be all that great." You know, I'm not. And so if you go listen to this other episode from the MS Dev Show. It's killer because really what it is, it's truly Linux running on Windows with the layer in between to do the translation for the file system and all that stuff. So the bash on Windows is literally running Ubuntu on Windows. It is not just a shell command. Okay, I'm going to totally have to listen to this. It was, Are you telling me that now in... Which version of Windows was this it's again? It's Windows it was, 10 uh, Preview 10, at the time. So um, 10 Pro? No. No, just Windows 10, and then you had to go into like the extra components for Windows. It was like beta-type stuff. And I'm going to be running two operating systems at the same time. It's actually running the Linux subsystem on Windows. So the bash on Windows, you are literally running Ubuntu. 
So that, that doesn't even make sense. That is super duper cool. Mind blown. It, it's pretty awesome. So I, I thought I'd bring that up because I know you'll be interested in that. And it's Are really you sure you're saying this right, dude. So here's the thing: if you want something like, let's say that you want SSH app get install, SSH. If you want what? something else, app what? get update app get install it is literally ubuntu running on windows and they're working so the cool part did is, you listen to this joe yep it was very good it's and, and, and what he's saying is accurate he's not just like this isn't like an early or very late april fools my my, my head is still exploded from listening to it but it sounded pretty amazing yeah and so here's the cool part outlaw the guy who they interviewed for is the guy working on the team that is doing, it's basically a bunch of facade layers, right? If you think about it. So they've got the layer that can communicate with Windows. Yeah. I'm looking at their show notes now. Richard Turner, who is the senior program manager on the Windows team, making the command line cool again. I already like this guy. So I'm <laughs> totally going to have to listen to this. It's really good. So, so All right, we'll have a link to this uh, This. Sounds like phenomenal episode in our show notes. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, we like those guys over there anyways, so uh, we feel good sharing But I got to imagine, though, like, you know, I, I jokingly asked why they're running two operating systems. I, you know, they probably, they in order to do that, they must have, like, taken portions of the kernel to run it. Or not even, it couldn't be the kernel, but... Uh, it's running the Ubuntu kernel, but they basically put a layer. So well, no, they couldn't to- have two kernels. Uh, isn't that what they said, Joe? I can't remember exactly. They rewritten some of the Windows subsystems. I don't really understand it, though. Yeah, there's a layer to where Linux can talk to the Windows <laughs> subsystem and then translate like the path. So I wonder it's if not they just took. Things. I wonder if they took. Okay, now I'm gonna have to listen. Yeah, let's now, not like, speculate. My, listen. Now my mind is just racing with like, oh, I wonder because like, especially when you know you, you're probably mostly right with you know the use of the facade pattern yep. would be a great. Uh, way to implement this, and I wonder if they just said, "Okay, fine, we'll we'll keep all of these commands from the open source community yep. along with Bash that'll run inside of Bash, but we'll have uh, you know uh, facades to mock these calls out or to to you know to translate, translate these calls yep. from one to the other." Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. So definitely go man, check I'm gonna that have to out. Get that a listen. All right, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. It's good talking to you. Good show. Yeah. Well, he's on his way to the uh, uh, what White Snake. <laughs> concert now <laughs> oh man if only white snake was playing uh, all right oh, man, so i was more of a millie 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 fan yeah oh, is that is that your is that why you didn't want to talk about the bands that you were most passionate about hey drop some beats there. yeah do it G- give us some g- give us a song here man yeah uh. oh this is horrible <laughs> this, where could this possibly go wrong that's, i don't know that's awesome all right, so the the last thing that well no, there's actually two more things. So Michael and I attended an ASP.NET Core uh, meetup this week, and I really liked it. Uh, Sean Wildemuth was the one that was presenting, and if you the guy is amazing, like he really does. Is it Will? But it's, there's an L in there. I think it's Wilder Wildermuth. If you listen to his podcast, he has one. Will? He says his name very oh. clearly. So. Wildermuth, and if you look at it, you probably think Wildermuth because it's M-U-T-H, but he pronounces it the other way. Uh, but it was an excellent, excellent meetup. Like, he took you through the nuts and bolts of standing up the plainest, barest ASP.NET core yep. and then walked you through From an empty worked. project file yep. to let's start adding stuff in. And I got to say, like, uh, I've had the pleasure, and I truly mean pleasure, of listening to this guy speak before and... 
he is like if you ever have an opportunity to go to an event where he's speaking on something, you will not be disappointed or bored yes. by listening to him speak. He is a he is an excellent presenter. Yes. Um and, and here's the great part, right? Like you even I, I think you even blurted out like you're serious. So he said, oh, yeah, he starts I accidentally up, did. Yeah, he starts up with a PowerPoint, right? And it's got his name up there in the title of the presentation. He's like, well, that's the one slide I have tonight. And, and no, it, no, the title, it had the title of the presentation, ASP.net Core. And then it said at the bottom, a subtitle, I am very prepared, dot, dot, dot. And he, he vocally made the comment about this being the only slide. And then suddenly during the presentation, he hits the escape key and away goes PowerPoint. And I'm like, oh, wow, you were actually serious. Yep. I, I'm so used to that not being the case. You know, it's usually a PowerPoint presentation that you go to see. Yeah, it was it was super cool. I mean, he literally walked through the code step by step. And and if you haven't had a chance to play with .NET Core, and this was specifically an ASP.NET application, dude, it is bare metal, right? Like you start off with nothing and everything that you want to do, you have to add to the services and set it up. So uh, he's got a he's got a, a course on Pluralsight on doing ASP.NET Core, and we'll provide that link in the show notes as well. Uh, definitely go check it out. The yeah. guy is an amazing presenter. He, he's got he's got uh, several courses on Pluralsight, and like yeah, I said, nine. if you have a chance nine? to see him, you said nine. Wow, that's impressive. There's uh, a reason this dude's an MVP. Yeah, yeah. He he might know a thing or two. Yep. So that that was an excellent excellent meetup, and just like every other thing, if you watch it and you go try and do it yourself, it will not work. Uh, it always looks so easy. Uh, I've actually been spending a little bit of time playing with it, and it is so annoying. Like you watch him do it, you're like, "Oh, he made it look awesome." Granted, he probably rehearsed it 900 times beforehand. But well, don't don't take that away from him from you know him being prepared. No, I'm not. I'm not. It just is frustrating. He's like, "Oh, this is magic. I got it." No, yeah. I don't. Alan speaks the truth. Yes. All right. So I feel like one of you. <laughs> Might need some clinical help here with this next topic. Oh, this is amazing. So I think Jason Giles sent this out. And so shout out to him and his kid because uh, we mentioned him last podcast. And, it, and I think I think he said his daughter. It would, correct me if I'm wrong. He was like, she was like, wait, my daddy's famous. He was just mentioned on, on a show. So here you go. Number two, man. Um, yeah, he threw this out. It's kind of funny. Despair.com. Like, if you ever just want to feel bad about something, go look. Now, wait a minute. This is, if I remember right, these are the, the company famous for the demotivators, right? Yeah, demotivators. Yes, the demo, demo, I can't even say the word. Forget it. We're done with the show. <laughs> we weren't recording, were we? Isn't yeah. it now, now my, my, my kryptonite here has, uh, moved on from just normal names to words not random, not often used. Yes, demotivators. There, there's funny. There's some good memes up there. They actually have a pop up that shows up and is like, yes, this is one of those annoying pop ups. Motivational <laughs> posters is what they call them. Yeah, That's the word I'm trying to struggle on. It's yeah, some, these are fantastic. There's some funny things in there. So if you need a moment to take a break and entertain your brain, go to www.despair.com. And make sure you check out those posters. That's my favorite part. Yeah, the posters yeah, the, are the, awesome. These are the things that I remember from forever ago. Yep, so that's it for our news, and I guess really this other one could have kind of gone in this section as well, but... This other one? The, this this next thing that we're going to talk about. Oh, okay. So, who wants to lead in? Jay-Z, which, which, why don't you lead this one up? 
All right, this is a hot topic making its way around uh, the internet right now. Stack Overflow has released their salary calculator. I've heard of them. Yeah, what you make of the company. Apparently, they're really open about uh, who makes what, and so there's no kind of weird secret conversations going on and people trying to figure out stuff and um, hiring, firing, looking at Glassdoor. So you can go to their website, um, plug in, and see what you would get if you worked for Stack Overflow. So I have a feeling... They don't try to claim that this... Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. They don't try to claim... Oh, uh, I don't. They don't. I don't think they try to claim that this is all programs should get paid, and uh, they have other positions too, like uh, product designers and whatnot. But it's basically just what um, what they would pay you if you were to have a Stack Overflow. But still, interesting to compare like your current position to uh, this calculator and see what you think about it. Okay, so here here's my thought on this thing, right? And let's see if you guys agree, which I'm going to assume not. But <laughs> no matter what, you go look at this thing. And regardless of the outcome, you're going to feel bad. Either you're going to feel bad because you're going to look at it and go, oh, man, I could be making that much if I was there. <laughs> or you're going to look at it and go, oh, whoa, I'd only be making that much. Don't let anyone see this. <laughs> Let's uh, block. Let me, let me jump on the, uh, the old firewall or the, you know, the old uh, router there and block this page <laughs> so that HR can't see it. <laughs> and done. DevOps for or, the win. There's a third possibility, which is uh, you do their little uh, more info, what would ex- the skill to see uh, how you would cl- qualify. And oh, then, man. Uh, and you feel depressed when you realize that uh, you're a zero. So wait, tell I mean, me this. Was, uh, you uh, did it. You did it. What did your number end up being? Uh, I, I had a hard time answering honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly didn't do this thing. Let, so let's see. So you're supposed to score yourself on all of these things? Yeah. yeah if and so like one of them is strategic thinking understands and helps define the overachieving big picture goals for the product or the part you own as a whole. Yours execs other I- yours execs other ideas. It doesn't matter. Combining all these ideas into a clear, well-defined strategy for your team and product. And you get a choice of grading of well, this is weird. Uh you're either a B, which is an, the worst, an A, an A plus or an A triple plus. And the way they have these ratings defined is a B means you could be more awesome. This is a good thing to work on over the next year. An A is does as expected at our high stack standards, completely utterly able to accomplish what is needed. A plus means does more than your team expects, even at our high level exceptional and noticeable skills or the a triple plus, which I don't know what happened to a double plus, but a triple plus is widely recognized level of amazingness does and teaches. When people think of this skill, they think of you or would, if they knew you, this will be rare even on our amazing team. So here, this is, this is what's crazy, right? Is I went through here and and by the way, on their, on their calculator, they say most everybody's a one or a two. Right. So I went through and filled this out, I thought fairly honestly, and I ended up at like 4.02. And I was like, do I think too much of my skills? 4.02? Yeah. yeah. And I seriously, I was going, internally I was like, wait a second, do I have an overinflated inflated idea of what my skill set is? Mm. Is this real? Is it wrong? Is it? And now, I didn't do any A triple pluses, by the way, none, because I feel like 
You just did a truckload of A pluses. Uh, not a truckload. <laughs> like I was pretty honest. Like there were some things that I rated lower. Like I, I, I chose B on a couple, and I chose A on some. But I mean, for, you know, those that know you, we know you're not a you're not a modest man. You know, you know. I know what cocky. I know. I know what I know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, you're you're you know rather confident and sure of yourself. Some might say full of yourself, but I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> Uh, I should I should add though that, that that example for strategic thinking was the skills for product manager. So, you know, if you do decide to check out our show notes and find this link, or if you've already found it on your own, um, you know, be sure to uh, change that that link. Maybe that's why you know what it is. That's probably why because you probably left it at like janitorial staff, and then <laughs> was going down, and they're like, "Oh man, yeah, you totally rock." You well, know how to clean things. That's right, man. I'm good at cleaning. Actually, what did I what did I choose? I, I did developer. Uh, well, they have the the choices are yeah, I did developer. web developer, mobile developer, data science developer, product designer, marketing designer, site reliability engineer, engineering manager, or product manager. I don't have all those, by the way. Um, then you're doing it wrong. I win the internet's game over. That's weird. And what are you doing, man? Uh, what are you You're talking, talking about? about that position drop down, right? No, oh. no. What I'm saying is, um, when you okay, where did you start from? Just you started link? from okay position, and it says like, oh yeah. When you click on the the original salary calculator, it has positions: developer, site reliability engineer, product designer, marketing designer, engineering manager, and product manager. Yes. But then you see where it says skills, and it says more info. And that's where you take oh, the grades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. a drop down on the top right that is someone who was, you know, I really kind of feel like the, uh, well, whoever was in charge for the design of this site, which I guess product designer, this portion of maybe they should have rated a B. Because I really feel like that should have been a little bit more obvious. <laughs> it, it's like hidden off to the right. Like you don't want to, your eyes don't immediately fall to it. So that's what I'm saying. Like uh, you'll want to, you'll want to, Check that so before you start answering the wrong questions. the person who put together the calculator. That's you know, fantastic. I, only on this one <laughs> thing. You know, they they were probably a triple pluses on everything else, but on this one thing, I don't feel like I don't feel like there's enough ten, attention drawn to that where it is right now. All right, so real quick though, and Joe and I were both in a conversation on Slack regarding this. Well, wait a minute. What? No, because you didn't say which one you picked when you did the test. That was the whole thing I was trying to get out of I you. The developer. Which developer? I named three. No, but hold on a second. There was web developer, mobile developer, and data science developer. Oh, man. I don't know. It, it was web. That was default. No. Product manager was default for me. That's why I made the whole point of, like, you got to be careful and change the questions. That oh, I might did, be I did why web you... developer. No, I did web. Are you sure? Yeah, web developer. That's where I ended up. Because that was the whole point I was making is like if you did the default, which was product manager when I went to it. Mine's then... web developer is a default. Same. Really? Yeah. I wonder why it defaulted to product manager for Because me. you probably chose uh, manager in the drop down on the previous page. Probably. Well, I didn't choose anything, so whatever was there. But hmm. at any rate, so here was the interesting take oh, on you know Slack. What? I bet that's from the link, the, the parameters and the link. Let me try this. Let me remove their query string. So on, and there you go. That's what it was. The query string that we have in our show notes, we'll have to remove that because that defaulted to product manager, and that's why when I went to more info, it took me to uh, skills for product manager. Uh, so so check this out. This was the part that I thought was interesting, though. So you can go to www.codingblocks.net slash Slack, 
and get in on some of this fun by putting in your email and joining us in there. But it was funny, though, because the bare minimum range was like $80,000 for like a beginning programmer, right? And a yeah, lot of people, yeah, people were like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what in the world? No, yeah, am I doing this wrong again? If you pick developer, oh, wait, if you picked zero experience and zero skill, then, right? Is that what you did? Okay. So developer, zero experience, zero skill, and then the base was 86, right? That's the lowest you can get is 86, which is pretty crazy. But I have a feeling that uh, Stack Overflow doesn't hire many of those. (laughs) Well, well, probably not, right? Yeah, but I mean, even if they do take some of those, I'm sure that they're not just going to say like, Hey, no, you have no idea what how to code at all. I mean, there's still going to be some requirement there on. I don't know, dude. A zero is pretty rough with zero years, right? Like, I mean, that's literally somebody coming out of college is what that boils down to. So you're saying that literally? No, I'm go- saying if you know how to, if you came out of college, then you at least have knowledge of, you know, programming and development. You might not have the experience in it. I'm saying like when I think of zero experience, zero skill, then that would be like somebody who doesn't even... I don't even know why you would have zero as a skill That's option. what we're saying. $86,000 for the absolute bare minimum seems kind of crazy for somebody that's starting at that level. But but again, you know... And yeah, that, well, go ahead. Their, their zero is basically just a B, which means you could be more awesome. This is a good thing. It doesn't mean like zero skill. It doesn't mean like you have no skill. But um, one thing I did want to point out also is uh, Amazon will pay you over $80,000 right out of college. So will Microsoft, yep. Facebook, Google. Yep. So I think that Stack Overflow does want to compete with those guys. They do want to draw in those best candidates. And so they probably do pay that high to people coming right out of college. Yeah, totally. And and the Amazons and those people, because of that area where they're all located, they're all battling with each other for the same pool of talent coming out of colleges. So they well, have Stack to- Overflow is based in New York though, right? I don't know where Stack Overflow is. I'm pretty certain I recall that. So, I mean, they're like, my point being is they're not in a cheap area. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, though, that those are not low salaries. For one, the cost of living out in, like, you know, the Washington area and is not cheap where they are. And on top of it, they are battling each other, right? They've got a few colleges up there that have potential candidates coming out. And, and if you want them, I mean, you're fighting with some of the biggest tech companies out there to get them. So... You know. Well, one thing I noticed is that um, the location adjustment uh, for New York, San Francisco, or London is 10%. Yeah, that's low. And that's low, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those places are not just 10% higher cost of living. No, not at all. Yeah, but like half. Yeah. So yeah, that, I thought that was pretty crazy. That was um, the most surprising thing to me. And uh, that and uh, also... Um, how little this thing actually goes up. So if you go in there and actually plug in like 25 years of experience and bump that skill up to five, uh, you do get up to 200. But I mean, that's pretty extreme. So if you put in like 10 and you're hitting 170, so even though it starts so high, it doesn't continue that trend very much. It doesn't change much over the years. Now, I will say this, that, uh, you know, I, I looked to see, because I was curious, they they are out of, they, they worded as, uh, people in their head offices in New York, Denver, and London, but I'm pretty sure like New York was the start, if I recall. Don't a lot of their people work remote though? Well, that's the thing. If you're an engineer, yeah, you you totally have that option. Yeah. In fact, um, one of my favorite meetups that I've ever been to, I think Alan, you were there, there with me. Yep. Uh, and I think we've even talked about this one on the show before. We have. It was 
um, one of the guys from Stack Overflow uh, doing a live interview with, I mean, they weren't really, it wasn't really for a real job, but I mean, they were going through the whole thing as if this was, you know, the real deal. Yep. And and uh, the other guy who was, you know, the interviewee um, had no prior knowledge to like what was coming at him. He was just getting these random questions to him as if this was the real thing. And the whole point of the, the meetup was all about the technical interview and, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to be prepared for, like, you know, and this awesome, uh, you know, w- witnessing this awesome thing go down, uh, you know, in front of us. And it was, uh, it was really good. Yeah. It, it, awesome. It's one that still sticks out in my head. Say what, dude? Was it the interviewer, the questions that were interesting, or was it the interviewee's responses? The process. The process. Yeah, process. and what he was trying to get out of it. So the yeah. the interesting thing was he was like, I'm not necessarily looking for the perfect answer. Mm-hmm. He said, I want it, like he gave a problem, and he wanted to see how the person thought through the problem. Yeah, and he would give feedback, right? Like if the guy looked like he was getting stuck, then he would give him some feedback on, hey, maybe you need to try this. Oh, and, and it then, was so painful watching it too yeah. because like the audience, the audience was specifically said like you know told don't say anything, let him work on this on his on his own. So and everybody to their credit actually behaved and nobody <laughs> blurted out answers. And we all watched the guy try Struggle. to you know there were some times he honestly there you know to to his credit, I mean he did good, but there were some times where he struggled on some of the questions. But the whole point, like Alan was suggesting or saying, was that the I can't remember the guy's name from Stack Overflow. I really wish I could. Can't either um um Joel Spolsky? No, nah. I think his name was Scott something. I can't. It's been a while. I don't know. It, it, yeah, but he um, uh, he started this guy off. Well, okay. From his point of view, now this is obviously you know this question, the series of questions was something he said that they they change out their series of questions like regularly. Yep. Um. So he said, by the time I'm showing you this, we'll never use this one again. But the whole point was, as the interviewer, he had this this path from A to Z that he wanted to go with the interviewee. And depending on the interviewee's uh, responses in the amount of time would dictate how far to Z they got. So the whole point was, we're going to solve a complex problem, but we're going to start with small pieces and we're going to keep building onto it. So the first part was something like, you know, Hey, I need you to sort this array or something like that. I don't even remember what the question was. But then it's like once you had the array sorted, it's like, hey, I need you to insert something into the array and keep it in order. Yep. Now I need you to be able to remove something from the array. And it, and it was just like you keep building on to – and again, I don't remember if the array thing is exact, so don't hold me to that. But the point was as the interviewee, you think you're being, on, you think you're being asked these questions that – Really, they like in and of themselves, they didn't seem like they had a lot of meat to them, mm-hmm. right? But then, as the interviewer, you know where you're going with this, and you know where you're building on it, and you're and you're watching the interviewee, and you're trying to see like, okay, well, because I'm going to keep asking him to iterate on the same thing, what changes is he going to make? And you know, it's so crucially important for that interviewee 
to speak what is going through his mind because yep. the interviewer has no idea what that guy is thinking. So if he's running through 10,000 possibilities, right, and he's only thinking them and not actually uh, vocalizing them, the interviewer has no idea that yeah. he's thinking of these amazing thoughts. You know, one of my favorite parts of that entire thing, though, was he said that it, they'll take different paths depending on what the interviewee does. Oh, so right. He said, you know, a lot of people want to go just start designing a database, right? They'll, they'll be like, oh, well, you, you need this. All right, well, let me go create these tables. And then if somebody goes from it at that route, then they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to throw a wrench at you that's going to make your schema not work at all. Right. And now we're going to have to you know, revisit this. So it was basically just seeing how people think on their feet, right? Like, I, I wish I could rewatch that meetup. It was excellent. It, it truly was. But it, and it's a good way to identify how you need to think through problems. So it, it was, it was interesting. So at any rate, a lot more about Stack Overflow and what we intended to talk about, but you know, cool. And so there's no video of that, right? That was just a live meetup. Yep. Live meetup. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. It was. Yeah. And in fact, I want to say it was one of the Atlanta JavaScript meetups. It was. Um, so, yeah, and it was just like the random topic was, you know, the, the, the technical interview. Yep. And the idea that they had was, like we said, uh, you know, if you want to be an engineer at Stack Overflow, uh, r- remote work is very much an option for you. Yep. And so one of the guys from Stack Overflow, uh, you know, an engineer there had been there for a while. It works here in the Atlanta or he was lives the here HR in the Atlanta guy. area. He was the one who interviewed people. No, he wasn't an HR guy. Well, he was a developer that interviewed interviews. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah. All right. So, so with that now, it's time for us to beg. I think we've gushed over Stack Overflow. Yes, now we need yeah. to beg. If you haven't already, and I know a lot of you haven't because we see lots of downloads. We have we have a decent number of reviews in iTunes and Stitcher, but please Brighten our days. Take time. Go to www.codingblocks.net slash review. After you get out of your car, when you get home, whatever, when you're, when you're chilling at night, sitting next to your wife while she watches some show that you're not interested in. Right after you get out of the shower. Or if you're chilling with your husband and you're not interested in whatever show he's watching, go up there and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It seriously, seriously makes our days. And it helps us. Like It's, it's the one way you can give back to us. for us giving to you so while there's still soap in your eye (laughs) leave us a review right totally stop pause the shower right now and leave a review but uh, seriously we greatly appreciate it please do that if you get a chance and uh end beg (laughs) all right so um we were talking about jobs a little bit there um what do you guys think is the hardest part about actually landing a new job hey you know what i'm gonna derail you for a moment though joe because I know that jobs was our whole thing that we wanted to talk about. But before we start, I, I want to talk about something that I did that was totally... My, Michael did something stupid. Michael did something crazy. How about that? Let's not say stupid. Let's say crazy. Listening? Uh, are you? I'm listening. All right. Ho- hold on. Because Alan saw me like oh. randomly carrying this giant box... You know, Right before we were recording, I'm like, oh, I need to get something out of my car. And I said it like, you know, it's no it's big deal. Something. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let's see. I, I got to make sure that Alan doesn't cheat because I already see him trying to look under the box. I can't move, man. I got so many wires wrapped around me. <laughs> we need to do a video, guys, so you, you can see uh, how beautiful we look right now. Yes. All right. So we have 
we have stop trying to cheat. I saw one. All right. <laughs> so we have a lot talked about uh, keyboards and mice, right? And I have talked about this one that I was using for a, quite a while, the K three fifty from Logitech, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I brought this in so Alan can can take it, take a look at it, <clears throat> and give it a go. And uh, it, it's one of those where it's you know an, an ergonomic um, keyboard design. Oh crap! Alan's going to break something. Just going to feel this thing real quick. All right. Here, let let me make sure you have plenty of room there, Alan, because you're going to want space here. All right. Uh, Joe, you can still hear me. I didn't accidentally unplug you. No. So, um, yeah, so it's an ergonomic keyboard, right? And as you can see, like, this is the keyboard that I've joked about, like, wearing the letters off of uh, some of the keys, right? And it's got, like, a built-in palm rest and everything, and it's got this little wave design, and some of the keys are lower than others and things like that, right? Yep. So that's the that's been my my trusted go to for a while, right? What did you think of that? I I do like the feel of the wave. Uh, some of the keys are a bit stiff, but overall it has a nice feel. I don't like the layout of the like the home end cluster, but that's similar to my sculpt, my sculpt ergo. Not a fan of it, but I, I do like the function key layout on it. it it's a good feeling keyboard overall. Yeah, I, I I liked it too. The the one thing about the function key layout that always kind of threw me off is that it's in groups of three instead of four. Instead of four, right? So that that always threw me off. But then I eventually got used to it and didn't mind it. Right. And and like you said, the home key cluster, um, you know, I eventually acclimated to that as well. And then here's the mouse that I was using with it as well, uh, which was the M five seventy from Logitech. This is one where, um, you know. You have a, a, what would you call that? The a, a thumb ball, the thumb track ball, thumb track ball that that you use. So the mouse doesn't actually move anywhere. There's no mouse pad or anything like that, right? Yeah, I, I hate that. Um, but you know, it was it was comfortable. I mean, you know, so what ended up happening was, I don't know, I don't know if I just like wore it out or what, <laughs> but especially the keyboard. Uh, would just start giving me problems where it would just be laggy for reasons that I couldn't figure out, right? Like, you know, I would replace the batteries and it still, you know, would be weird like that. There'd be times where, like, I would, like, alt-tab to something and then nothing was happening. And I'm You'd like, wait. What? what? What just happened? Is my machine frozen or something? And I'd keep alt-tabbing. So I don't know, like, I, I honestly don't know why things stopped working so well for me, but just... Because I have had it for a while, the mouse I didn't have problems with, but um, at, you know the same or as bad. But occasionally I would have some lagging experience with the mouse too, and so I decided, okay, enough of the wi- wireless, right? Right. Uh, I'm going. I'm going full Did on you get wired. The ergo docs. I'm going to be so mad if I get the touch and ergo so, docs here in a second. All right. So then I better show him the mouse first. <laughs> all right. Hold on. Let me get the mouse out. Wait, you don't. You never touch another person's keyboard and mouse. Oh yeah, yeah. No, All I right, do. I totally get. To All it. right, so I even left this in the box because I wanted you to have have not the experience of a brand new opening experience, but you know something as close to it as possible. So this is the mouse that I have gone to, and I am absolutely in love with that thing. It you is. Never it. it is the Razer. 
uh, Death Adder Chroma. And it's technically considered a gaming mouse. Now, but to look at it, you wouldn't think that it is. Okay? It's a simple, uh, you know, three button on top design with two buttons at the thumb, right? Uh, so the third, you know, the third top button being the scroll wheel can, can click, right? But uh, what it, what it, makes up for is one the size of it the way it fits your hand and then if you notice too the fingers alan where the fingers go there's indentions did you notice that mm-hmm. so where your where your uh your pointer finger and middle finger would go on the uh, or sorry your ring finger and, and pointer finger would go on the um left and right mouse buttons there there's some there's little, little groove there yeah it, it's just a nice little area for a fit it's a it it's not classified as an ergonomic mouse but yet it is incredibly you know well crafted to fit your hand right it does feel good i mean even the scroller itself is one of those loose ones it's it's yeah now here's where the gamer part comes in it's a 10,000 dpi mouse all right so very fast uh movements on it right and uh as it is with some of the gamer things let's say you know, it's got that that bling wow factor where you can change the colors of it. So the default is that the logo and the wheel on it will rotate through the 16 million color spectrum, uh, you know, on its own. Or you can just configure it to always be at a particular. It would definitely be configured because I don't want something rainbowing in my eyeballs. Oh, it actually looks pretty cool. <laughs> it, it, it really does. And it's not like... Uh, you know, in your eyeballs, like what you're you're thinking that it might be. It's not that. It's more subtle than what you might be thinking of. It is a good looking mouse, and it feels nice. Um, and and you know, with their uh, software, you can set multiple profiles and configure it. So that's another part of the, you know, why it might be more considered as a gaming uh, aspect. Now, my thought on this though was that, um, I think Joe had either retweeted or someone had someone had commented to us and Joe mentioned it on the show, but there was this comment that someone had about using a gaming mouse for productivity and, and configuring the, the multiple buttons to do things. And that's what got me down the, that's what got me thinking down the path of, Hey, maybe for a new mouse, I should, a new wired mouse, I should look into a good gaming mouse because then I could configure the buttons to do things. And this one, you can, um, you know, you can configure the the buttons to do whatever you want them to do. I I left them at your traditional, you know, like the the thumb buttons, you know, are either forward, forward or backward, back. you yeah. know, things like that. All right, so, all right. I need the keyboard. Um, I need to feel this keyboard. This this was, uh, you know. Oh, and by the way, there were many sites that I looked at for this thing too that had this listed as their top pick for a gaming mouse. By the way, and on um, Amazon, there's two versions of this mouse. One is this one here, and then another one is a uh, Call of Duty branded one. And you didn't get that one? <laughs> or uh, the other one was World of Tanks branded. And uh, it's literally the same exact mouse. It's just instead of this one has the solid black cover, uh, the, the other two would have... So instead of this Razer logo here... Mm-hmm. It would instead have like a big Call of Duty skull 
or it would have a World of Tanks logo on it there. Um, and literally, that was the only difference. Each one of these, dude, had both both versions of it, okay, had, I think it was around 900 reviews on Amazon, and it was like a 4.6, 4.7 rating on the mouse. That's pretty good. So not only did like multiple editorial sites say that this thing was amazing, but so did uh, people that owned it. Consumers. All right, let's see what the real piece of hardware is over here. Mice or mice? I need to see a keyboard. What do we got here? All right, cl- cl- close your eyes. I can't, I can't see uh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's wires and stuff everywhere. Okay. Now, again... Uh, now stop. You're gonna make to cheat. me look under the table. That's gonna make stop, me all uncomfortable. Stop, stop trying to cheat. <laughs> I don't have my legs crossed. Okay, so <laughs> the so I, I like the mouse. I'm gonna let you do like a quasi uh, unwrapping of this. Okay. All right. All right. I present to you DOS keyboard. Oh, sweet. The packaging is very thick. Oh, man, I'm going to feel bad. I'm not going to be able to put this thing back in here. That's okay. Neither will I. Okay, good. So you haven't actually... You've just opened it and looked at it. Oh, no, 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 no. I was like... That's why I was, uh, you know, late on time today for this <laughs> recording. Because I was like, oh, crap. I forgot. I need to, like, pack up some stuff. I feel like it's Christmas and I'm the bad kid who didn't get anything i yeah, didn't get man. anything either i'm just getting teased with it man i'm like i'm like the poor kid that didn't get anything so so this is the dos keyboard professional four or four dos keyboard four professional i think is how they word it uh it's got the cherry blue switches on it the yeah, top loud yeah man clicky clacky right can you hear that joe yep oh yeah that's not even close to a microphone for anyone listening that hears this thing, like there's probably a foot or two, like at least Alan's arm length away from the microphone to the keyboard. Hey, our old friend Daniel would love this keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might too. So the top of that thing is aluminum, by the way. That is considered the thinnest mechanical keyboard you can buy. Um, and and I, so far, I think I've had it now for two weeks one week something like that one or two weeks but yeah i i have totally loved it been a big fan i've actually been surprised that on uh you know video calls from the house that you guys haven't like said hey wait why are you typing so loud uh compared to the other one because the logitech was much more quiet compared to this now here's the thing you said you were going to be upset about the ergodox yeah because you thought i was gonna break out on ergodox yeah i had all plans and intentions of buying the ergodox that was what i had set out to buy was the ergodox and the thing was is that when it came time to buy it i i had picked out the one that i wanted with the options that i wanted i was ready to do it they wanted 30 dollars for the shipping oh i'm like this is a 300 dollar keyboard already you can pitch in the shipping are you kidding me? No, it's not even a matter of pitching in. It's a matter of charge me a reasonable rate here, man. Right. It is not thirty dollars. It does not cost thirty dollars to ship keyboard. this thing. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous fee for this thing. I mean, fine. I don't mind you 
charging me for the shipping and even making an extra dollar or two off of it. But thirty dollars, man, yeah. that's ridiculous. So, so that was literally the deal breaker. I, I swear, like the the keyboard. If I remember right, the one that I had picked out, the Ergodox keyboard that I had picked out with the stuff, it was $295. And I went to go, uh, as I was going through the checkout process, they're like, you know, enter it in your your shipping information and we'll pre-calculate what it's going to cost to ship it. And it was $30. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah, I'm not doing that. All right. So for for the listeners, um, what's so special about this keyboard? Well, okay. So this is not... Your typical uh, ergonomical keyboard, right? It, this it's is standard. This it's is old a standard school. old school layout, right? So you know, just one hundred and four. Yep, it's flat. Um, you know, I do wonder if maybe like uh, any if there's any kind of difference in not finger strength because your fingers don't have muscles, but um, you know, if if there's any kind of difference if my finger if what's it called uh. The tactile feedback on them? No, there's a, there's a D word. Uh, dexterity. Dex, yes, dexterity. That if that's going to improve at all because of having like you know that versus like a chiclet or anything like that, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't know. But because I'm actually kind of curious to see like am I going to be hurting because I don't have an ergonomic keyboard for the first time in a very long time. But you know, this one was a much more reasonable price price <laughs> and even with the shipping so like just playing with it for a second there I, the keys feel amazing they they straight up the the tactile feedback on them is killer like the mechanical mechanical switches are very good there is no ergo slant no, or anything no. to it so i mean well well what you didn't get to see is this also amazing feature oops as i rip open the box here um. All right. So hold on a second. Give me a second. Was this the Pro, the Ultimate, or the Professional? There's a couple different models. He's got the four. Okay. There's three different kinds of fours. Unbelievable. Which one is that? Is that the Pro? The this is the uh, DOS keyboard for Professional. Professional. Okay. So, which is only available in two options. It's either you get it with the keys printed, or you get it blank. So, I mean, the thing is, like, literally, if you go back to the old mechanical keyboard days, that's what this thing is, except with, like, a volume and uh, some other. All right. Now, do, do yourself some, God, some justice there. heavy, dude. Yeah, right? Well, that's, well, like I said, I mean, that whole top of that thing, that's not plastic. Right. It might look like it. Now, here's the cool thing, too. That is a USB 3 hub built into yeah. it as well. So, if you have a a um, USB three hub that you can plug it into, it's of course backwards compatible. But oops, yeah, I mean it it it's it's not an ergonomic keyboard, but it's got a nice feel about it. I mean, it, it has a great feel. I don't think that I could ever go back to a non ergo keyboard. I mean, Joe, well, that's why I said I did something crazy because I'm trying it. Yeah, because Joe, you've had two wrist surgeries at this point, right? Have you noticed the difference with your sculpt? Uh, I do actually. I like the the fact that this kind of slanted apart just lets me have my um, my arms a little bit wider apart, like the elbows, and it just seems a little bit more comfortable to me. But I'm also very wide, so that's probably part of it. Now, here's the thing: 
like a traditional keyboard or not traditional, let's say other keyboards might have like a some kind of tinting thing on it, right? Mm-hmm. And this one does not, as well, you and Joe can see, but the listening audience can't. But it's just flat on the <laughs> bottom. Yeah, it's just flat on the bottom. But it has this thing here that is just magnetic here that'll snap into place. Okay, so what he's talking about is like on the bottom of a lot of keyboards, like even the Sculpt Ergo comes with like a little thing that kind of clips on the bottom. Some keyboards have like a little thing that you can either put little legs in the back or the front to right. elevate them at different angles. Tint this it one, however you want. Yeah, this one actually has like a little mechanical bar that just kind of... Well, not mechanical, magnetic. A magnetic bar, I'm sorry. That, well, that it's actually plastic and on. it's just got some magnets on it, but yeah. Now, here's the cool thing. Well, I don't know. Let's say let's say weird thing. I guess they felt the need that they were like, well, I mean, if we got to make this hunk of plastic and it's going to be a straight hunk of plastic, why not make it functional? This thing is actually a ruler. <laughs> It's it's a it's a you know millimeter on one side, inches on the other. This is a, this is a ruler. Hand just me the like, hunk of plastic. Like just like Queen Elizabeth was one, so is this. Hey, I'm going to give you a little pro tip. And for anybody out there that does any DIY type stuff, you can't actually see anything because the entire thing's red. You can take whiteout mm-hmm. and brush whiteout. Like if you have anything that has marks or notches on it that you can't see because the color's off. You can take a little bit of white out, rub it across there, and then wipe off the excess, and you'll be able to read the lines perfectly. Well, this is why I say, like, <laughs> I'm never going to use this thing as a ruler. <laughs> like, it's just going to stay, you know, attached to the bottom of it, and that's all I'm ever going to do. It, it's it's a pretty piece of metal. There's no doubt about that. And, I mean, if, if somebody loves a mechanical keyboard that's flat, that's, that's a significant chunk of uh, machinery there. But wait, we go, there's more. All right, so because this isn't an ergonomic keyboard, okay, and this this isn't as flush to the desk as, like, say, Apple's, uh, you know, keyboards are, for example, like, they're, they're uh, you know, either the wired or the Bluetooth keyboards. Those are really slim, you know, low profile, right? I got this little guy here a wrist pad yeah this is made by a glorious uh pc gaming race and if you notice the thing that that kind of drew me to it is that the sides are actually stitched together to keep it from fraying and and you know anything coming out or whatever yeah good workmanship on that yeah so the only other thing that i'm looking for with to to complete my set here is uh, um, kind of something similar to this this mouse mat that you have that you let me borrow for tonight. Um, but I was kind of thinking about the area that I have for my mouse isn't it isn't like just like how I have the keyboard on top of this mouse mat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have a room for a gigantic mouse mat, and so I was actually thinking about getting one of those where you'd put the keyboard on top of the mouse mat. Have you seen those where they're yep. like you know elongated ones? So. Yeah, I did, I did something crazy. <laughs> well, you'll have to check back. Well, let's see. We record every two or three months. So by the time we record our next episode, you'll have some good feedback on whether or not there's pain or not. So we'll we'll uh, we'll check back in on the next one. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'll see. Like I said, it's been a week or two so far. I'm still in that honeymoon stage. Yep. So there's still a lot of love affair for with it. I I did look at and consider the code keyboard. Yep. Uh, a big difference between the two that may or may not matter to you is the code keyboard is illuminated. Hmm. This one is not. I do like the backlit keys on my keyboards. Yeah. My so, skull doesn't have it, but I do like them. Yeah, and I figure, well, I've dealt with this Logitech for so long now, and, and it's not backlit, so who cares, right? Yeah. I mean, if you know how to type, you pretty much don't need it. Okay, or we could put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, it might not necessarily be like that. You could just be wanting to type, and you know, the room is dark or whatever, and you just want to, like, look at something real quick, and you're like, oh, crap, i got to type in my password. Right, right. Where are the keys? This episode is sponsored by Infragistics. Discover the right design code-free with Indigo Studio. Don't waste valuable coding time on multiple revisions. Build code-free, interactive, responsive prototypes of your application with Indigo Studio. And now enjoy new usability testing features that allow you to get insights on how well your prototype will perform with real people. Infragistics also has enterprise-ready desktop tool sets. You can build dynamic apps for desktop and touchscreen devices with their lightning-fast, touch-friendly Windows forms and WPF controls. Cover every aspect of enterprise software development with the fastest data grids, office-inspired UI tools, powerful data visualizations, and full modern experiences with touch and gesture capabilities. Head over to www.infragistics.com today and start your free trial. All right, so so now that I have uh, completely derailed the conversation, <laughs> now we can talk more about jobs. Let's do this, Steve. Oh, oh no! Okay. Are we derailing it further? No, we shouldn't. <laughs> no, I think Joe was trying to ask uh, mostly you about the hardest part of about landing a job. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about um, jobs in general, uh, whether it's finding your first career or when to switch or, um, you know, what kind of money or technologies people should be looking at. And so I wanted to ask you guys what you thought uh, the hardest part about actually landing a job is. Well, you wanted to ask us, but I want you to answer it first. <laughs> oh, I didn't really think about it. Um, <laughs> well, for, for me right now, it's probably just the location because <laughs> of where I'm located. So uh, I would say even just finding the job uh, in my area is pretty tough unless it's remote. So that's uh, the, the thing that I'm uh, kind of thinking about now. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer. Interesting. Well, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but I scored a four on the skills challenge thing <laughs> earlier. So. You know, I seem to <laughs> recall hearing something about that. Yeah. I, actually, I mean, I've I've never had a difficult time getting a job. and And here's why is the three of us know because we've interviewed people a lot of the candidates out there will come in saying that they you know the resume reads like they basically created the interwebs and you'll ask two questions and you're like man really come on dude and so like because i've and this is truly not trying to come across cocky or anything but i feel like because I do prepare if I go in for a job interview. 
Like I take them seriously. If I'm going to go in and I'm interviewing for a JavaScript position, I'm going to polish up on things that I might not touch a lot. Right. And if I go in for a .NET position, I'm going to read up on some of the things that I might have forgotten about or whatever. I treat it like a test in school. And so I usually show up pretty prepared for them. And, and I have a fairly decent ability to talk on the fly. So if somebody asks me a question, it's easy for me to elaborate on it. The problem that I always have with that part, though, is like you were talking about the brushing up. And it's like you, you don't always know what to brush up on. And I always seem to have this incredible talent for brushing up on the wrong thing. And then it's like, oh, well, okay, we're going there with the questions. I don't know, man. So, I mean, I've known you for a while. Oh, I God. think you just stress out a lot. Like What? I it, There are people that... This guy? <laughs> there are people that are good at taking tests, right? Like, Joe, are you, were you good at taking tests? Uh, I was uh, good at getting mediocre grades. Okay, so but did you study hard for those mediocre grades? Oh no. Okay, so so that was kind of me. I mean, I get good ish grades without really even trying, and and there's no, a difference. I don't think this. I, I mean, I know you're trying to say that like people who are bad at test taking and everything, but well, they stress out when they're put on the spot. Is kind of what I'm getting at because when I've it, seen when, you. No, because when it was time for school, like no, I was fine with that in school. Really? You know? I mean. If 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 I only put if I only you know did a half, I won't finish that. If I only did, <laughs> if, if, if half I only baked attempt. Okay, there you go. There Thank go. you. If I only did a half baked attempt, then you know I wasn't surprised if you know if my grade wasn't stellar. And when I did actually put the time in, you know I would normally do pretty good. But I never. Uh, it it wasn't the same. It wasn't like stress like what you're describing. Though. Okay, with the interview thing, I've definitely seen you go into full on physical lockdown mode. Like it's no, it's kind of crazy. I mean, that that you're thinking. I know you're thinking of like one time in particular, yep. and you know that was. But there was also like a lot of buildup from a lot of places, uh, you know that that were just kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but you the know, circumstances were were tough. Yes, so so that's that's not I don't think a fair representative example. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the hardest part for for me is the expectations. So landing it is not a big deal. Like for me, the biggest thing is if I'm going to take something, I want to enjoy it. And so, like, I've literally gone before on full-day interviews where I'm like, look, you can interview me first, and if everything goes well, then I want to come in and see your office, right? Like, I want to come in, and I want to see what the people are doing all day. I want to walk around. I want to interact. I want to see what's happening. I want to see what the environment's like. I want to see how the people feel or how they look, right, when they're walking around the place. And so, I know that's not as much about landing the job, but that's that's almost me like interviewing the people that, that I'm going to to potentially be with because that's a big deal, right? You spend more than half your day there. So Yeah, I could see how that could um show passion and interest in their company, which is a really good thing too. Um Hello Tech Pros does a really cool thing, uh one of the episodes talking about um Tiggers and Eeyores. And uh this is basically when we reference, you know, are you mm-hmm. a, a Tigger who 
kind of gives off and exudes energy that other people kind of feed on and picks them up as well? Or are you kind of a, a Eeyore who uh, is also cool, but tends to kind of bring the energy level down and make everyone want to take a nap? You know, and so your interview style there sounds like a Tigger and it makes people want to kind of join in and throw a parade. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that um, referenced in uh, a recent episode with James. Uh, who is in the uh, in our you know Slack channel, um, and and I loved that. He, come on, a what? He is a Slack channel. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's a celebrity. He's a, he's a MVP VIP. James is awesome. Yeah, he is. I, but but I loved the whole Tigger Eeyore analogy though. I thought that was a great way to to you know visualize your office and your peers, you know the people around you. Oh, speaking of, along these same lines, uh, one of our buddies, John, he was saying, like, if he goes into a place and there's too many meeting rooms, <laughs> like, he's out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't John. Was that was the, Sean. Was it Sean? That was, that was, uh, oh, Wildermuth. Wildermuth. Was it him? I thought it was he John. Said, he said that in the meetup, that if he's interviewing, because he, he hates, uh, you know, he hates talking to people and interviewing. <laughs> Uh, or having me, he hates having meetings, and that, that every programmer's job is trying to find ways to avoid meetings. And everything that we do that we can program is an excuse to you know get away from a meeting. Like we we he was making the example of um, anything that we could move from say if he does anything in say a configuration file, then he has to have a meeting with someone and explain what the configuration file is and how it works and what the settings are, blah, 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 blah. But if he just tells people, hey, you can set this environment variable and you're done, then he can just send out an email and administrators all over the world know how environment variables work and they're comfortable with it and every cloud system uses it so it's not a problem. And, you know, he was saying Meeting that, avoided. Yeah, so he he avoided the meeting and he told a story about how there was one job interview that he walked in, he... he actually walked out of or or de- declined the job because he walked around the facility there and noticed that there were way too many meeting rooms and he didn't like it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I thought, you know what? That is there's actually some gold in that in that uh um advice there. There's a lot of truth to that. Now now let's dial it back a second though. What's the hardest part about landing your first job? Yeah, that's really tough. Um I, you know, I hear a lot of people complain about the computer science kind of tech questions. And so I kind of wonder if that's part of it. But another part is just finding a job that doesn't have crazy requirements like 10 years of Node or, or you know, just something totally wacko that is not appropriate for a beginner. That's one of the frustrating things, right? Like you'll look at a job description sometimes and, and for a beginner, they're like, oh, you need three years of experience in C++, five years in this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. You know, that's... That's not quite fair for what you're asking for, right? I mean, it, that that is frustrating. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't even know so how you... companies hire. You know, well, if, if there's so many people that are out there first year looking for the first job, like how come more companies aren't taking advantage of these uh, people that are desperate to work? May, maybe they're not qualified. Maybe they don't interview well. Maybe they don't know how to interview well. Like maybe the interviewee is fine, but the people who are interviewing don't know how to interview well. Because I mean, I mean, there could be a number of things, right? That that's 
like the whole college degree thing. We've talked about this before. I don't want to take away from it. It's, you know, it's an important thing that you can get and you spend time doing and it proves that you stick to something. But sometimes the most qualified candidate may not even have one. And in, in some places, I mean, in corporate environments, especially, you know, there's almost like a stack I'll call the trash where, (laughs) where resumes go that don't have a college degree on them. Well, I was going to say that that's the hardest part is just getting that, that call back though. Totally. And that, that, so that's almost, I guess, going back to this, the hardest part about landing a job, maybe it's finding the position in the first place that you want to, to apply for. Right. Because like you said, like Joe, you live out, you're not real close to a tech spot. Right. Right. And for us, like Michael and myself, we are, but the commute would be horrendous in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, I like, guess the commute's the same. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like you probably end up driving an hour. We will too. It'll only be 20 miles away for us, but it'll be, you know, 60 for you, but uh, the same amount of time. And that's, that might be the most difficult thing. And honestly, the answer to that probably is to get involved in things like LinkedIn, right? That's a professional social media site. Uh, build up your profile there. Get connected with people on there, recruiters, other people in the industry. I don't know, man. Man, for a developer, LinkedIn, that is not the place I would say to go get start building up your... Where your, would you uh, go? GitHub, Stack Overflow. For, no. for someone today, in the world we live in today, that's where... like. That's where you should start, man. You're talking about answering questions and writing code. I'm talking about building a network. Stack Overflow is a great place to build up your reputation as far as answering questions and all that. What I'm saying is get on a social network like LinkedIn so you can start building up your professional network. Stack Overflow can be I mean, be if invaluable. you're just out of college, though, I don't know. That that That's a tough one, though. I mean, what? How do you define building up your network? Like every recruiter you talk to, all of a sudden you're gonna like connect to that guy. Okay, so you're connected to the recruiter, and then you know connect to every person you interview with, and then. But yeah. screw all that. It, I mean, it sounds like we're solving the raw problem. I mean, we just said that the the real problem is basically bad interviewing or bad interviewees, which I think means either not enough practical knowledge, like they don't know the basics that are required for the job, like Git. Or maybe that the companies just aren't set up for beginners. They don't have a good way to bring new people in without uh, a lot of overhead and setup and taking time away from more senior people. So, well, no, like, that's you find what I was giving out the, like the same kind of advice to go to meetups or mm-hmm. straight side projects. But no, that's that why mine was different though. Wait, what'd you say, Joe? Uh, I just was saying like the, the advice that you read when you Google or that were you know even like the, the things that you instinctively want to say, don't. Uh, they don't solve the problems that we just said uh, were the biggest deal for finding your first job. Well, I mean, I'm sorry that I like spoke over you, but I, I was I, what I was saying though was that um, the the hardest problem isn't necessarily the interview; it's even getting to the interview. And that networking that you've done, like what you're describing, like who cares if you build up that that reputation on Stack Overflow? Uh, you know, especially for you know for for the you know college age, uh, if you build up that portfolio on GitHub where somebody can see what your interests are, like how you code and everything, those are the things that are going to get you noticed and even get you a chance to get that um, FaceTime 
or maybe just you know uh, voice time with the interviewer. That's is the hardest part is getting noticed. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't necessarily think like the Stack Overflow thing is going to be the way, or even GitHub, right? Like, it, how many projects are on GitHub now? Right, Squibillion? It's not. Right. A, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I am not suggesting that it is a matter of you being the most famous person on GitHub, right? Like, like that you become like, oh my god, every time this guy. Uh, commit something, it's amazing. So just automatically approve his pull request. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is just the mere fact that you have stuff out there to be seen. Like, it can be when helpful. When you and I came out of college, this wasn't an, that wasn't available and it didn't matter, right? It didn't exist, right. Well, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. And, so, and so for, uh, you know, us, we're not going to have that much out there to show for that uh but for someone in college like that that's that's the way that they're going to get noticed is through those um i think that's one avenue and i guess that's the thing so like i would get more on board with the go to meetups if you're in college try and get an internship and the reason why because the companies don't expect you to have any great skill set at that point well yeah i totally am on board co-op internship those are amazing opportunities and if you are in school and you have uh, uh you know the opportunity to to well you of course you have the opportunity but i'm saying if they make something you know like a, a, a like a not a job fair how would you classify that's that a job Alan? fair that's Is usually it? what they call it. yeah really i they, don't remember it being worded that way but they'll call it yeah um but there's you know, usually like a take center. advantage of it is my yeah. point though because that is that is that is how you're going to build your network. That's how you get your foot in the door. So you need to leverage your professors and all that. But let's say but I still say that if you're in college and you don't already have a GitHub account, you should be opening up a GitHub account and every bit of your homework you should be saving to your GitHub account in different repos for each one so that people can see so that one you can build up that um you know uh, collection of projects and that people can see how you think and how you solve problems yeah but your uh, implementation of quicksort is going to get you through an hr screen no it's not going to get you through an hr screen necessarily but what i'm saying is that if somebody sees that you already have that then they can already okay here here's the thing joe who are you more likely to to want to talk to you've got two candidates that you're looking at their resumes one has nothing like that at all available the other guy he has uh questions that he's answered on stack overflow so you can see some of the things he said how right was he you know do you agree with his answers or his approach and then you can look at his github projects and see how he solved some of the problems do you like them you already know ahead of time what this guy's thinking which one of these two candidates are you more likely to contact for an interview but you know go ahead the one who actually knows how to use git because i uh (laughs) i hate having to fix people's setups and that's the real answer but yeah i mean if nothing else it shows like a real world understanding of like how programming projects are done and how to actually get things kind of finished and published which is good but it just I keep hearing that advice over and over again, and I still keep hearing people ask, like, how the heck do I get my first job? And so there's something broken in, this, in the system somewhere along the way. 
Well, the technical interview is broken. I mean, let's let's be honest. It is totally. Uh, I'm not a fan of the way the interview goes, and I don't really have a good answer for it. Like I was, I was chomping on this with uh, Will, one of our friends, recently, and it's frustrating, right? Like you can't hire everybody and find out who's good and who's not, and then just throw the other ones away. It's too expensive, right? I mean, that's that's really the problem. It's just way too expensive. I'm a big fan of a contract to hire type thing so that you could test somebody's skills out. I'm a big fan of that. On a trial period. Now, granted, they still got to pass some sort of screen before you pull them in the door, right? Like, you're not going to say, oh, okay, well, we got 100 people here. Let's bring them all in for 30 days. You still have to narrow the field down somehow. But, you know, yeah, here's but, my problem but, with the GitHub thing, right? But, but, how easy is it to fork a project and make it look like it's yours? Or how easy is it to go copy some code and just push it up there? Okay, like, well, if as, as the interviewer, if you don't know how to read these sources, whether it be a Stack Overflow or a GitHub, then you know you probably shouldn't be relying but on But even re- read the sources. You could literally just go copy and paste the stuff and put it into another solution and push it up. So that's I, I guess my thing is I would rather... When we ask what's the hard part about getting an interview, I still go back to the network. I still think that meetups are a huge way to go to it. Go to a big meetup. Okay, if you're attending meetups that have three people, that could be good depending on how narrow-focused your industry is or what part you want to get into or go to big ones. But don't keep your mouth shut, I guess, is is my key point. If you go to a meetup and your whole goal is to get, you know, noticed, talk to people right? Find out what's going on. See how you can introduce yourself. It's almost like going on a date, right? Make some small talk, get in, know the people, connect with them. Well, I've also seen some people get noticed for some negative reasons. Totally, totally. And that's the thing, right? My personalities are going to play a key role in it. But the other thing too is... I mean, not mine. Do you guys remember back in the day, (laughs) all right, like, you know, a few years ago, like, if you went on an interview, they said that the next thing that you were supposed to do was send a thank you letter in. All like, right. I think that's almost like a lost art now. Have you ever done that? I have, back in the day. Really? Yeah, but, uh, I mean... Joe? Uh, back in the day. Really? So I'm a jerk. So, if you take that, here's the same thing. Like, I went to a meetup the other night. We talked about the SP.NET Core thing, right? Every meetup you go to has a thing to where you can post a comment afterwards. Guess how many people actually said something? There were 100 people at this meetup. There might have been five people posted anything in there, right? right? Go up there and say, hey, man, thanks for taking the time to do this meetup. Put your name out there because guess what? Your name shows up next to that comment. Like There are so many ways to try and grow your network and get your name out there in a positive way, and I think a lot of people fail at it. Well, one aspect of the meetups, and uh, Joe, you can comment on the Florida scene but i know here in the atlanta area uh, a lot of the meetups at the you know depending on which group it is might be at the end might be at the beginning but usually it's at the beginning if i recall they'll have recruiters uh announce themselves in the at the start of the meetup and with any openings that they have um you know if they have specific openings and even and even depending on the meetups there's uh some meetups that i go to where like the companies themselves they you know they'll have um I'm thinking specifically of the um, iOS meetups, uh, iOS, Android, and Node meetups. They uh, will have, you know, if you are an employer looking for someone, you get to speak separately from the recruiters. 
Yep. Um, and so they give each, you know, because, you know, def- it's it's a little bit of a different uh, you know, situation if it's the actual employer that you might be talking to. So you want to be kind of aware of that. So in fairness to everybody, they, they break the, they recognize the distinction between those two and, and break them apart. So that's kind of an interesting take. What are the like down there, Joe? What's the what? Uh, well, the meetups? Yeah, are they similar type thing where they'll have like, hey, this, you know, this particular recruiter sponsoring this, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah. And oh, we haven't even mentioned the free pizza. <laughs> right. Oh, and, and Sprite or Coke or whatever. And uh, there's a couple of things we've kind of touched on. Like you will see people talking about their open source projects or things that they need volunteers for or help for. Uh, you will meet other people that are looking for coworkers. And um, if you could talk your buddies into going with you, you know, say your buddies from college or whatever your boot camp then that's also a really great way of kind of keeping in touch with those guys. When they get a job, there's a good chance they could bring you on and vice versa. It's just good to keep in touch with everybody. So, I mean, we've, I, I feel like um, you two are more on the networking side well, of the equation to this, to this problem. And I'm more on the, like building your uh, let's say online reputation or portfolio portfolio uh, uh, as, as your way. So why don't we just agree that, this is a multifaceted problem, right? It's not the one thing that you need to do. There totally. are several things that you need to do, and these are uh, some of them. I will say, though, on the GitHub side of things, I do agree with it. Not so much about your projects, though, unless you're building something just kind of cool and neat and shows off some things. I would say go find some big open-source projects like a lot of the Apache ones, right? Like those are huge and there's big players that work on those things. If you get in there and you help with some of the bugs that are happening in these that, you know, maybe some of the main developers don't have time to get around to because they're working on some other things. Get your name in on some of those big projects, right? Okay. Okay. In fair, I, yes, if that's something you feel comfortable with doing, but what I was suggesting was that, um, if you're say, for example, a a college student that you know you you haven't you know you haven't landed that first job yet right mm-hmm. uh you know your experience is only what you've um, done in class then you might not feel comfortable committing to someone else's open source project no matter how big or small it might be right you might not have that comfort level yet and even as you know, Joe was, I hope, jokingly referring to um, difficulties in using Git. <laughs> um, no, he was talking about other people. He hates fixing their problems. Oh, oh, oh. Um, you know, even as something as simple as like getting experience using Git, you know, you might want to do that on your own and your own projects, right? And if you already have to do programming assignments for work, agree with that. Why not get into the habit of using source control? For those projects, and just go ahead and throw them up in your your uh, on your GitHub account, right? And then that way you get some uh, experience and familiar. You become familiar. How's that <laughs> with uh, Git and its and its syntaxes, right? Yeah, I'm good with that. I I, I think then, I think it's good to get outside your comfort zone, though, and yes. that's when you become way better. I, I mean, I play basketball. The most fun you'll ever have playing basketball 
or any sport or anything that you do is going up against somebody that actually challenges you. Somebody that's better. Every time I every time I play basketball and I hit a home run, I feel amazing. (laughs) See, there it is. And I I don't know. Like that's that's kind of like where I'm going. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say that you should not have your own GitHub projects. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you're starting out and you're trying to build a name between the networking, you need to work with other people because I guess my problem is it's almost like I kind of see it like the app store in iOS, right? You can build this amazing thing, but there's so many other things out right. there that yours is going to get eclipsed. Now, now on your resume though, saying here's my GitHub account and here's my LinkedIn account and here's this, I think that's hugely important. Being able to show those. Well, well okay. I just want to make this one last point though, because because uh, especially as it relates to. You know, using GitHub, for example, as a way to store your your school projects, you know, whatever assignments and everything, is that everyone will tell you there are there are a thousand articles out there about hey, you know, go go find some open source projects that need some help, and you know, uh, even uh, submit a, what you think is a problem and fix it yourself, or find an open ticket. That they haven't fixed and and you know start with the small ones and do it whatever blah 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 blah. I mean, there you've you've each read that article multiple times, right? And my point is, especially if uh, you know you're you're inexperienced, then that can seem like a very challenging and daunting task, right? Start small. Always. Iterate small yeah. Yeah. with your own projects that you are in complete control of, and then as you uh, gain that confidence in it, then move on to going outside of your comfort zone and saying, "Okay, let me commit to this open source project." Right? Let, let me see what I can do to help there. Right? Start small is my point, though. Yeah, I like that. I I do want to throw in the negative aspect too, though. Uh-oh. You need to be careful nowadays. Social media is huge. If you are, <laughs> it's kind of a thing. <laughs> I mean, I've th- heard about it. Like, like there was a. I mean, this story came out during the NBA playoffs. There was some dude harassing a, a fan, uh, harassing either either the uh, Cleveland player. No, it was some Cleveland players fan harassing the Golden State Warriors. I think Steph Curry, or maybe his sister or something. Dude got fired, right? Like oh wait the fan was harassing the player yeah and the fan right. got fired for what he was saying on Twitter you guys like if you're trying to build a career and I know this is hard to swallow being that everybody grows up in the days of Instagram and Facebook and all those things right now and it's so much fun and it's so easy that stuff can haunt you right people saying do some stupid stuff online though I I mean you gotta you gotta be careful right like if if everybody can see it, your employer can see it, your potential employer can see it. And believe you me, nowadays, there are actually services out there to help build or repair your online social profile. And so that should tell you something, right? Like you need to be careful. You need to conduct yourself at least in a public manner that would not be detrimental to you going and getting a job. Hmm. Well, I guess this is going to take us into the survey for this episode. 
Yeah, and uh, we kind of talked about this uh, a little bit, Vaughn. We were curious what you guys thought was the hardest part about sticking in a new job, whether that's um, finding it and meeting those job requirements, dealing with recruiters, um, getting past that uh, computer science technical interview, uh, maybe racism, sexism, ageism, uh, location, or uh, maybe we have another box too. Um, so yeah, we're curious to see what you guys think is the hardest part. And uh, also, we were just hoping that um, what you think uh, is the best advice, like the single best thing that someone could do if they're looking for their first programming job. Yeah, I would definitely suggest, uh, you know, number my favorite place for you to comment on as it relates to this episode would be the comment section of the show notes for this one. Which would be um, www.codingblocks.net slash episode 44. Right. Yeah. So, um, while we're on, kind of on the topic uh, of survey, no. What were you going to say, Joe? I did want to ask you guys, uh, how did you? How did we get our first jobs? Are we talking programming jobs or my job bagging yes. groceries at Kroger? <laughs> how did you get that job bagging <laughs> groceries? <laughs> was that really your first job? Was bagging groceries? Yeah, dude, it was really, really? terrible. You were pushing a lazy and, kid, pushing and chopping carts in a hundred degree weather in Georgia. Yeah, no, man. Sir. No, no. Here's why: because if you were uh, not a lazy kid, then you would have had a job where you didn't have to meet some legal age requirement, like. <laughs> Cutting neighbor lawns, cutting your neighbor's lawns. Yeah. Yep. Uh, No, bagging groceries. Let's see. On my first programming job, uh, I actually kind of stumbled into it. So I went to work for IBM working in the global learning department. And what I was hired to do was like help with presentations for like put together uh, presentations and slideshows for learning programs. And I found that they were doing a lot of redundant stuff, so I ended up programming in what? What was the name? Lotus. Lotus. It, it was Lotus Script, is what it was right. behind the scenes. So I ended up writing programs that basically automated all my work. And from that point, I kind of got promoted into a lead developer position. Then I left. <laughs> all right. All right. Allah, what about you? Uh, first tech job. Um, I, I wish it was something. Uh, Glamour. I wish I had some great story to tell you here, but Alan really just took the wind out of my cells a lot, um, <laughs> unintentionally maybe, because uh, you know, coincidentally, I had my first job was as a co-op uh, with IBM, but like I said, purely coincidental. We were not in same departments, although we were like same road. Yeah, like you know, same office complex but different buildings. Yep. Um uh during that time. And yeah, like I was originally hired on as a land administrator and they or you know, as a you know, as much of an administrator as a co-op is, right? Um but that was, you know, what I was to help out with and uh ended up eventually getting hired on as a C++ developer um there. So, nice. so you went to like a job fair or something and, and found that in the first place? <clears throat> oh no. This is why like this is like the most horrible example of an interview ever. <laughs> do you really want to hear this? I, I mean I'll I tell do. you. I'm curious. Oh god. So I guess maybe it was called a job fair. I really honestly don't remember it that way. What what I recall was um 
and maybe because I was in college, I just wasn't paying as much attention, and that's why I don't recall what it was what it was called. Um, but I remember that there were a bunch of companies coming in for co-op positions. Career fairs is what they called them. Career fair. I I, I don't remember the word fair at all in it, but whatever. Maybe it was. I I, I just remember that um, companies would come around um, every every quarter and uh, look for co-ops uh, or internships de- depending on the company and. Um, you know, as a computer science major, I obviously wanted to get into one of the tech companies, and IBM came around. And so, this is why I say like people do stupid things, right? So, I get into this interview with IBM right at the beginning. And if you've ever co-opted, or if you never have, um, the way co-oping typically works is that you, if let's say your school is on a quarter system, because it's a lot easier to think about it that way. So there's four quarters in the year. So you go to school for a quarter, you work for a quarter, you go to school for a quarter, you go to work for a quarter. So every three months, you're either in school or you're working, right? Um, but you're you're theoretically, you know, you're not doing both at the same time um, because often the co-op jobs are not in the same vicinity as your as your school. And when the career fair, as maybe it was called, uh, came around and, and the companies were interviewing for interns and co-ops, it was during the, uh, what would it be? They came in during the winter, which meant that they were looking to fill jobs for that spring which meant that I would have worked during the fall and spring quarters of the school year and gone to school during the winter and summer school uh, quarters of the school year, which I felt was the most depressing schedule you could possibly have because winter was just a horrible time altogether, uh, you know, at least my university experience, because, you know, anyone who might have partied a little too much during the fall quarter... When winter came around, they felt like they really had to, you know, hustle, hustle you know, and 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 work harder to uh, to pull up that grades from the partying they did in the fall. And then, because all their hard work paid off, when spring break came around and spring quarter came around, they were ready to have fun again. So, winter was the was the the quarter where nobody had fun, right? I mean, not to mention it was cold, colder. But it just wasn't the fun one. And then the summer one was boring because a lot of people... Um, Took off. You know, uh, w- there was a lot fewer students on the campus during the summer quarters. And the summer quarters were highly compressed compared to the others. So you had to work much harder and there were you know just less fun around because there were less people there. So I just... I had no desire to work um during the the fall or spring that's when i fall and spring quarters were when i wanted to be in school because those were the fun times and if you're going to go to college or university like those you know at least have some fun about it right was my take and so i walk into this interview in the winter knowing that the job is for the spring and i tell that you know i sit down after after you know introductions and uh I remember, I'll never forget the look on this guy's face 
because uh, you know the, the very next thing I say as I sit down is, I don't really want this job. I'm just wanting to uh, you know get some practice interviewing, so we can start now. And this is why I say like we say stupid things because the it interview had started. The interview had started when I walked in the door, but yet I was just you know whatever. Let's start it now. He didn't tell you to leave. No, no, he he surprisingly he went through the whole process and uh I guess I guess I made a um impression. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> I don't know why that word eluded me, but yeah, I guess I made an impression. So, yeah, the it was literally the dumbest thing that you could do in an interview and I did it and got it. Well, no, because I told him I didn't want the job. Oh, he didn't give it to you. No, so I, I, I <laughs> well, but I, it must have made an impression what I'm saying in like whatever he wrote down because what happened was, um, the next spring when I wanted to be in school and the in the you know career fair or whatever came through, um, I get this call, nice, and they're like, hey, uh, we'd like to talk to you. Very cool. So it was really weird. That's uh that's crazy. And and I would never recommend anybody ever do anything like that. Yeah, that's like anti networking. And in fact, if <laughs> I would probably go back I would almost want to say I would go back and tell myself that I to not do that, but it worked it out. It did work out okay. Maybe <laughs> it could have worked out better if I had approached it different. I don't know. We'll right. never know. So Joe, what about you? Did you ever start programming? Uh, I did start. Um, uh, our buddy John actually got me in. Uh, he was working at a company, and they were hiring some kind of junior devs to do some like real basic um, HTML stuff because this is kind of the days of like pre-CMS. You know, when it still took like you know the, the like webmasters were still a thing, and so I would take like articles and stuff and press releases and like throw some BRs in there. And he kind of coached me do uh, what, what they'd be asking in an interview, and I was going to school for it at the time, and so. Uh, I was like making little crappy games and um, messing around with websites and stuff. And so it wasn't too bad to, to uh, kind of brush up on the HTML a little bit and uh, get in the door. So what you're saying it was who you knew through networking. Oh my God. Here we go. Get you into the job. Here we go. That's what it was for me. But I mean, all of our stories were all kind of based around the people, whether it's the people you work with or the people that you met, kind of putting yourself out there um, or the people that you uh, went to school with and, so yeah, just I don't think that's I don't think that was the takeaway from my story. But if that's what you got out of it, <laughs> well, it wouldn't happen if you didn't go to the uh, career fair or, or career star, um, and and said stupid things. Yeah, yeah so that's is showing up, right? It really is. Look, man, I, we've said this before. People say, "Oh, you were lucky, man." You're not lucky if you weren't there. Right, like you cannot be lucky if you weren't at the place or the time. Like showing up is most of it. Yeah, and saying stupid things is the other part. <laughs> Memorable, <laughs> and I've been pretty good at saying stupid things ever since. All right, so um, along those lines, we were talking about the the survey. Hey, what happened? Where did Joe go? And what? I don't know. Joe disappeared. He's gone. Where you go? All right. Hi. 
I dropped my call and rejoined. I don't know if you guys are talking about that. No, I don't. I don't we, think yeah, he we, wanted we, to we hear. Wanted to hear. <laughs> oh, I missed it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to hear this next part. But I'm gonna say it anyways because this is where we're gonna talk about the survey results from the last episode. Oh yes. Right. Oh, hold on. I haven't cheated yet. Oh wait, no, no, <laughs> Give me <a> no, <laughs> no. All right. So in the last episode, we asked. Um, well, this is going to get weird. Okay, so in episode 43's survey, we asked in episode 42's survey, only 1% of the listeners identified as preferring front-end dev uh, work only. And why is that number so low? Oh, that's right. right. Yep. So your choices were CSS, uh, I noticed that SAS wasn't included. Um, or number two option, the lines have blurred. Front end working is front end work is leaking into the back. Or number three choice, full stack is where it's at. Or your fourth choice is it's irrelevant. The podcast poll demographics are skewed. Hmm. Which one do you think it is? Three. Full stack is where it's at? Yep. All right. Joe, what you got? Uh, I, uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to go with leaking, B. Leaking. Okay. The lines yep. have blurred. Front end work is leaking into the back. All right. Uh, you, either of you want to put a number behind it, how, like, how confident you are in your answer? I just want to say that I think there was a psychological... Um, study that could be done on the fact that Joe remember the word leaking more right. than anything yeah. else. I did write this poll. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, on numbers, I'd say 35% on the full stack. No, right. no, 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 40, 40% on the full stack. 40%. Remember, price is right rules here. I'm gonna go if, you go, if you go over... I was 0.1% off last time. You were. Oh, yes. You were. <laughs> if you go over, it's done. Joe, what's your your number? Thirty percent. All right. I was waiting on one of you to say one when I said that. Yeah, it was not All right. people. So the reason why Joe thinks that the, the numbers were so low, why most people prefer front end dev work, is that the lines have blurred and front end work is leaking in the back. And Alan thinks that the number is so low that people prefer front end uh, that that most people don't prefer front end work because full stack is where it's at. And uh Alan is more correct than Joe, but by prices right rules, you both lose. Oh, is it way lower? Well, wow. see, if you had stuck with your gut 35. instinct, <laughs> you would have been spot on, man. Oh, dude. It was 35.6. I was off by 0.6%. Yeah, man. You, when you said that, I almost like fell out of my chair because like, oh, he's cheated again. <laughs> but yeah, it was a... Uh, it was really a toss-up between um, that and CSS. Hmm. Most people, uh, most people don't prefer, don't like front-end work. Uh, the second most popular choice was because of CSS. That's interesting. People really hate CSS. Huh, I guess I could see it though, and that's why Windows development or application development would be easier because you only have to deal with one set of styles, right? You're not dealing with twenty browsers and three OSs. Well, let's just let's not care about what the what the the UI is, whether it's desktop, mobile, or web. Well, see, but if your exist. server side 
period, then you don't have to worry about any right. of that. So your interface is just like a bunch of unit tests, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus if your job requires that you touch CSS, then the frustrating thing for you can be all of the different browsers out there, yep. the different versions out there. And if you have to support IE8 or below, you really want to hurt yourself. But I'll even say this, though, taking it a step further. I mean, CSS is is pretty much the bane of dealing with styles for browsers, right? But I think that it's even starting to blend into applications now because not, not the CSS, but the frustration with front ends. Because now you can, with things like Xamarin or uh, NativeScript or, any, or React Native, right? You can write your business core once, but you still have to redo the UI on Android, iOS, Windows, whatever. Like it, the UI in general is super duper frustrating because it's not consistent anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you mean, um, and I don't have a good answer for that. That was actually, hmm, that's a shame we didn't have an answer that would kind of support that, though. Yeah, I mean, because we definitely went more web-centric on, on maybe, that one. Maybe that's where the people who voted that it was irrelevant, um, maybe, that's where the, maybe that's where they were thinking is that, hey, you're not, you're not including... Uh, the mobile developers, as an example, or desktop developers, yeah. as an example. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things that is so frustrating. I mean, are, what are the cross-platform choices for doing, like, desktop-type applications out there? I, I, I can't remember them off the top of my head. I know Xamarin's one. Um, Electron. Java. Um, Windows. Windows. Well, Java, really, I mean, you, you if have? you're relying on the Java controls as the as the skinning for that thing though well, look at like eclipse is cross-platform because it's java right i mean so yeah that's not exactly an attractive ui i don't know if that's the one you want to use as your i'm just saying it exists i, right? I might have offended a few <laughs> but um, unity oh yeah unity yeah for gaming type stuff though right not not necessarily for applications so it's yeah i I, I still think that just front end UI type stuff is one of the most challenging just because it's not as easy to port in anything, whether it's a browser, whether it's an OS, whether whatever it is, it just seems like it's always the thing that is, that is treated differently for whatever well, reason. I'm going to clarify that. Let's say, let's make the analogy that the browser is an operating system. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because if you have to do any kind of UI development cross-platform, then it's frustrating. But if you're able to stay in one ecosystem, then it's less so. Like if you're only ever doing Windows development, right? If you're doing desktop Windows development, then yes. you know the yes. UI portion of your uh, it, job is is not as bad as if you had to do... Windows and Mac and Linux. Totally. Yep. That's right. always why I've had a hard time making a desktop application. Just, like even if you were doing iOS development, if you're if you're only doing iOS development, it's, it's fine. That's not that's not as bad. Now right. you make an app where you also got to support every version of Android device that's out there. Then, yep. then you know because if you're doing iOS development, you have like. I don't even remember what the current uh, supported set of, of iOS devices is, but I mean, you know, less than a dozen, uh, if you consider like every, 
Well, I mean, way less than that if you consider the different resolutions. You know, you're talking about like a handful of different resolutions that are at, but then, um, so the point being is like it's a much smaller subset. Whereas when you get into Android, all of a sudden, you know, the you already know right off the bat that the whatever the latest version is is not going to be the most widely used version of uh, the operating system. So you start like going down to lowest common denominator. Could you imagine being the Evernotes of the world that need to be on every platform? You're right. I mean, it, that. oh, my goodness. Wow. But at any rate, yeah, so that that's uh, good poll results. Oh, man. I just realized we have to go to back. We have to start again. Um, we have to go back to the news session. What? We didn't talk about the most important thing to happen in nerd culture for since the internet. Was this the new pronunciation of uh, GIF? No. Let me uh, look up the date here that she'll forever live in infamy. Uh, I have no idea. March 14th. Nope. Uh, You got a guess? May the 4th. Uh, Okay, you guys guys both lose. Uh, May the 5th. July 6th, 2016. And it's the day that people started going outside again. Oh have right, yes. I know exactly where we're going with this. No, I have not. Like oh my god. To sixty year olds walking around parks and parking lots, staring at their phones, catching Pokemon. Oh man. How have you not seen this? You know what's funny? I have I don't have that app. I will never have that app. <laughs> but Nintendo's stock price doubled because they finally did it sink again? It tanked, yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, because people figured out that uh, they didn't actually own Pokemon. And it was another developer, and it was a licensing thing. <laughs> but yeah, I like I go to parks now in my area that are were abandoned a month ago. You would never see anyone in there unless they were like uh, drinking beer and eating chips. And now there are teenagers, there are roving bands of baby boomers <laughs> walking around in these parks in 95-degree weather. That never would have happened two months ago or a year ago. And everyone's catching Pokemon. Everyone's talking about Pokemon. I mean, it's completely crazy to me. The world has changed. But I think that's kind of cool, though, in a way, right? I mean, people are having fun, and they're actually using technology to get out and about instead of being camped out in front of a TV, right? Like, that's a win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm seeing teenagers talking to 60-year-olds that... And in friendly, friendly way, like that is not natural. That's new. It's different. It's weird, it definitely it's did pleasant. bring the world together uh, in, a, in a new way for the first time. <laughs> in a friendly way, right. yeah, it's crazy. Do kids usually like trip old people where you live? Like what? they just stay away. Like no kid wants to be hanging out with somebody who looks like their mom, right? Oh, that's awesome. Bad, yeah, none of that. No, I mean, like, yeah, these kids are talking to grandpa. Like, no big deal. Wow. Yeah, what are I, you yeah, defining as grandpa, though? Me, basically, <laughs> yeah. so like an eight-year-old, and uh, their parents come up and they're like, "Have you seen? There's a Pikachu around the corner." And we all go over there together, and they watch me catch it. And we talk about it and high five, and it's great. That's awesome, man. So you're doing this then? 
Yeah, unfortunately, there's none in my neighborhood, uh, so I have to kind of go out. I, like, I have to go to like restaurants. I have to go to parks. I have to go to strange places I would normally never go. So you're you know, doing one. You know what this reminds me of? The new age geocaching. Oh, that's exactly oh, yeah. what it is. It, it's a digital geocaching. It, it's the that's game, all it is. gamified version of geocaching. I mean, there have been some interesting stories that have come out about it, though. Yeah. Um, some that were kind of like really bad PR kind of stories where uh like at the i forget one of them was like at a holocaust museum there was uh the, the a gas pokemon uh, a gas type pokemon i don't remember the exact story um you've yeah. been camping out near near uh pokestops looking for people not paying attention Jeez. right there there have been uh, people that have have uh so the cops purposely are set this. Well, I don't know about cops, but but um, you know, definitely maybe the criminal type. There there have been uh, there have been stories where like people have kind of like laid a trap by putting. Uh, um, I don't play the game, but but we'll, a, you can place yeah. a lure on a pokey stop to kind of. There you go. A pokey stop is the word I, I was looking poke, for. I feel so goofy uh, to get people to come out to to some place, and then that way when and then and then they'll just watch that area, and when they know that they come by, then. Uh, you know, they know at least, you know, they have some kind of a nice phone. That's brutal. Um, yeah, but it's, it's been really interesting to watch, at least in my area. um, You'll see like, um, you know, church parking lots and there's all sorts of activity and people getting out in cars and hanging out near the playgrounds and, and stuff like in, in Florida, at this hot, this time of year, like you don't see people hanging out outside. It's crazy. (laughs) That's, anyway, I thought that was interesting and wanted to bring it up. You guys got to start playing because then uh, I think you'll start seeing a lot more activity going on. You'll see a lot more people playing once you know what to look for. That means I have to go outside with the, all the other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah Alan ain't going to do that. Nah, I like no. air conditioning. No, I mean, like, even, um, I know we've noticed it a few times, just uh, there, there's the mountain around here that uh, we've been hiking here recently. And... Um, you know, on a morning hike there, there'll be like random people going up, going up the mountain, trying to find Pokemon as they go up there, falling down the side of the hill because they went off the trail. <laughs> you you kind of you kind of watch for them, and you know what? <laughs> I'm going to move over two feet to the left. That way, there's room for you to go down uh, without slowing me down. That's awesome. All right, so with that, now we are on to the tip of the uh, week. week. <laughs> this is this is literally your favorite part. All right, so mine's actually fairly simple and kind of cool. If you have ever heard of this thing called Dropbox, it's a thing out there. What? Wait, and how do I get to it? <laughs> you can put files up. Can in you there. can you include a link in the show notes to this resource? I think I could. Okay, use my referral link so that I get more space. There we go. Uh, there. Oh. Ooh, wow. Use mine. Look, at, look at you guys. Abusing your power, Alan. This is going to be the one WordPress thing that's going to have like 100 edits on it because we're going to keep going and changing the link. Man. <laughs> um, so here's the cool part. Like if anybody, if you ever go and you are in a file and you want to share that file with somebody else, you can create a link and you can share that link with somebody else. Well, one of the things that can be annoying about it is – if you give that link to somebody else, they click that link, they're going to be taken into the Dropbox UI that will show them the file and then they can, you know, then right click it and download it or click on it and say download. If you just want them to be able to download it, 
at the end of that URL, you can put question mark DL equal one, meaning download equal one. And so if you're ever having to write any applications or anything, that's kind of a nice way of doing things because now putting that DL equal one on there means that it will automatically initiate a download instead of taking you to the HTML page that has the that file listed on it. So it's kind of a nifty little tool. There's also a raw equal one. And what that does is it tries to display the content directly in the browser. So that one's kind of interesting. So if it was something like a PDF, instead of going straight to the page to where you have to click on the file to view the PDF, you could actually put raw equal one on it and it will show the PDF in your browser if you had the available plugin. So in other words, your your tip is how to avoid Dropbox's UI and just get your file well this can be useful if you're trying to do anything programmatically to like download the file so like let's say that somebody's putting a file up and they want you to suck it in every day and use it for something if they just give you the url and you go straight to the url with your application all you're hitting is an html page and it's not going to be what you want so if you put the and percent or the question mark dl equal one you're now actually getting that file that you can use gotcha so, yeah, it, it's not really trying to avoid it. It's if you need to use it in another way. That would probably be a better PR way of, of phrasing yes, what I said. Yes, it's not avoiding. <laughs> yes. So that's my tip. All right. Um, you guys are familiar with Code School, right? We've talked about that a few times on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've recently been bought by Pluralsight. It's basically a site where you can go and um, – kind of interactively work through some videos and coding and you can kind of run your stuff and it'll test it and, and pass failure. It's, it's just a really cool way of learning. But recently they have dipped their toe into the .NET waters. So if you have been interested in learning .NET MVC or maybe brushing up on it, then they've got uh, a course that you can take for free right now. And uh, I've, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it people have. And uh, it's on my list of to-do things. And uh, it's free. And they're going to be rolling out more stuff. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, I, I really uh, like and I'm a big fan of their uh, course format yeah, with, with, the, with the, um, the challenges that you were describing and the interactivity of it. All right. So mine is an article that I want you to all read. This was uh, shared with me, and I thought it was an awesome little resource full of all kinds of great little uh, topics. And it is an article by... Oh, man, why am I trying to pronounce the name? Daniel Reese. Hey, I did it. Um, (laughs) That one was hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I still might have pronounced that last name wrong. Who knows? Um... (laughs) And it's called uh, Beyond Console Debugging Tricks. And uh, it's basically, you know, JavaScript debugging trips, tricks and how to debug your JavaScript like a boss. Uh, there were all kinds of little great things in here about how to avoid using things like console.log um, in your JavaScript and other ways to... Um, uh, you know, debug debug your app or your JavaScript app. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And uh, it's not a terribly long read. So, I mean, you can definitely get through it um, rather quick. You know, it's not going to consume uh, hours of your time. And there are some great um, examples and, uh, you know, 
pictures to illustrate the examples of of well, what he's describing in there. So um, it's a it's a quick read, but it's a very um, how how would you phrase it? Very full of knowledge. There's got to be a better way to phrase that. It looks like it's a lot of using console uh, things to really help you improve and speed up your debugging. It looks pretty amazing. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of great tips in here though. So um, you know, it, it's it's compact, but it is full of uh, good information. So we'll include that as a, a link in the show notes. I will be reading this soon. Great. All right. All right. And, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say we talked about stuff, but let's see what you have to say. You might have some other way of describing it. Well, uh, in this episode, we talked about stuff uh, like career, salaries, <laughs> getting your first job, uh, input devices, and, of course, Pokemon. Uh, that, that pretty much sounds like it. Sure. I'll take that. Um, I think we're probably looking at the same sentence in the show notes. <laughs> I, I was just going to sum it up with stuff. But, yeah, yours is probably better. <laughs> All right. So with that... Uh, Subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And uh, as Alan mentioned earlier, be sure to leave us a review. Um, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to find us, you can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review uh, to find some easy ways to get to iTunes or Stitcher. Yeah, and they said that they might be reading the same sentence. I memorized all the show notes. Did you? Uh, so, yeah, so that doesn't really happen here. Uh, uh, visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find the show notes, examples, discussions, and more. I feel like that's that Alan being full of himself part coming out again. <laughs> but is, I'm not. I just I naturally fell into I naturally fell into a because fork. for someone for someone who who has this his show notes memorized, he forgot to say to contact us with a question or topic or leave your name or. Preferred method of shout out, you know. That's actually Jay-Z's line. I memorized this. No, I it, told you. it has your name right there by it. Look at line line 126 right there. Oh, see, I memorized it. Yeah. I memorized it. So, yeah, contact us with a question or right. a topic. Yes, leave your name or preferred method of shout out. And, yeah, then, so now it's it's Jay-Z's turn because I, rem- I memorized this. I'm telling you. All right. I got to, I gotta like, submit a 1,000 Jiras now for this show <laughs> just to, like, you know, bugs that we've made in the end here. Yes. Way to go, right. man. I'm just so glad we don't do attractions for the show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to have to have a change log at the beginning of the show? No. And, in fact, because of that. Why don't you bring your feedback, questions, and rants <laughs> to our Slack channel, uh, where um, people will be much better about responding to you than uh, if you emailed us. So, uh, sorry <laughs> about that. And, uh, yeah, you can actually join automatically. Uh, you can send yourself an invite by going to www.codingblocks.net slash Slack. Type in your email address and, uh, yeah, join the community. And uh, there's some awesome people in there. Hey, but you can email us if you would prefer at uh, comments at codingblocks.net and you know be sure to follow us if you're not already on Twitter at codingblocks and there might be a little bit of truth to the delay in the responses what I don't know why I'm not sure <laughs> I read my my email on my phone and I respond to it rarely dude that is so true that's exactly what I do and that's the biggest problem yeah. is I'll read it and I'm like oh, man, yeah. 
I'm going to reply to that when I have a keyboard. Then I get to my keyboard, and I'm like, man, there was something I was supposed to do with this thing, and I don't remember what it is now. So I'm the same way. I'm so bad about it. I I will. I hate replying on phones. I cannot stand typing. Well, those when you reply on a phone, you must have. I don't. I don't know what it is. You have to have the worst keyboard. On your and are you using the stock Android keyboard or I don't are you know using what I'm out? using? I, I don't. I don't like because sometimes phone I'll see like I'll get a text message from you or an email, and I'm like, I don't even understand. <laughs> what? Why is he speaking Swahili? What is this? Oh man, I'm telling you right now. Like I, I literally loathe them. I mean, seriously, I've been trying to think of for a long time. What's the next? input thing that's going to happen because at some point the keyboard's not going to be it right like this is an ancient artifact that is going to disappear in the decades to come what is the next input thing it's not going to be little leads going into your brain but there's got to be something better than your thumbs on a screen that is three inches wide like that doesn't make sense i don't know it's certainly not voice though snapchat yeah, a combination of face swaps and uh, emojis. Yep. New language. Oh man, it, it's. I mean, millennials. <laughs> I mean, it's seriously not going to be voice though. I mean, Siri is horrible. She's gotten worse. How is that even possible, man? I know, right? Okay, fine. I, thank God, I'm not the only one that has noticed this because there have been times where, like, I'll I'll say something to Siri, like, "Hey, play this song," and you're like, "Oh, I can't find it," but yet. It actually will say it, like, I don't know. Let's say, let's say I, I say, okay, Siri, play Beastie Boys "No Sleep Till Brooklyn," and it will verbatim repeat what I said. I couldn't find it on the screen, and then say, like, I can't find that in your playlist. And it's, are you kidding me? It's right here. "No Sleep Till Brooklyn." Like, who messes that up, right, dude? It, it is. It, it is constantly bad. does that to me. I had I had a time the other day where. I tried to send a text message to a buddy I, I was meeting somewhere, and I said, "Okay, Siri, you know, tell so and so, blah 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 blah," and it repeats it back. Okay, you ready to send it? Yes, send it. I get there to the to the meeting. He never got the message, <laughs> dude. There's, I I'm serious. If if somebody comes up with the next big way of doing communications like that, like. It, it, and then it's got to be easy and it's got to be low stress, right? Well, typing on phone keyboards actually stresses me out. Like it makes me well, mad. Well, now who's got the weird stress thing? No, don't, dude. don't, that, if, if you get it interviewed. It stresses you out? Yeah, it just, it's tension. It, it makes me anxious. I don't, I don't want to do it. I resist it. I, same here. Like I don't even want to reply yes on one of those things. It makes me so mad. I don't, I hate them. I absolutely it, I, there's got to be a better way. There has to be some way that we're going to be able to interact right, with so, devices. So this should be your interview question, and then we'll see who gets stressed. Because, <laughs> and this is another reason why I say the next input cannot be voice, is mm. that you can type quietly around other people. Yes, and you know you're not going to say a, a password by voice, right. right? Totally. You know, even though like there's movies like My Voice is My Password. You know what oh, happens? Man, what what happens when you're sick? Next to me, knowing what I'm searching. Right, totally. I mean, that would be horrible, dude. Like, there's so many problems <laughs> right. with it. They're really just awful. The, 
I I dig the voice thing, and I understand it's less distracting. Like if if you need to send somebody a text message, you say, "Hey Siri, send a text message," and she won't do it. Right? Like that's fantastic. Right. But there's got to be something. The only time that voice seems like a legitimate use case for me is in the car. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like for for you know dictation type purposes, where like I can't type, then let me use voice. But. But seriously, I mean, think it. How long has the keyboard been the main input? Like, since they started, I'm shocked that it is still the the predominant way to do any interactions with any kind well, of computer. Here's another reason why that I don't think voice is going to be it. This whole time, we have been sitting in this room saying, Hey, Siri, play Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. And yet my phone has done nothing the entire time. <laughs> this weekend, I was in my garage working on a lawnmower. And because my hands were filthy from working on the lawnmower, I remember saying, uh, you know, asking Siri to play some music. And I was shocked when it actually worked. <laughs> I was like, well, I totally didn't expect that to happen. I was just saying it because I wanted to hear the sound of my own voice. I did not expect that that would actually work. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, Siri's really bad. Google Voice has gotten a lot better, but it's still not perfect. Like, it's nowhere even close. Well, I mean, the beauty of like a full keyboard, though, is that you do have so many different input it's devices. It's full control. Yeah. Right? You know I mean? You have 10 of them. Well, I mean, you're not going to, you know, it's no, it's more like you have nine, right? Because your thumbs double. But I use my thumbs for the alts and the commands and the. Uh, yeah. Okay, fine. Ten. Whatever. I have ten digits that I use. All right. Well, but that's because I'm a four. <laughs> I, I was thinking of the thumb doubling up on the space bar, though, which is why I was. <laughs> Agreed. Unless you have the ErgoDox, which which you use your thumb for all the and, and and by the way, I read some bad reports on those. Oh, they're, so um, it's either a love or a hate relationship with that. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying that I read reports of, and and this was by no means you know uh, a dig. I don't mean it to be a dig on ErgoDox. This might not be an issue for you, but there were some reports that I read where after a while. Uh, people were having problems with that because of the th- the thumb usage mm. on a keyboard like that because there's six keys if i remember right there's six keys for your thumb on each hand that sounds about right to use on the ergodox so but i still think that yeah i mean i understand why the the um and i don't think that gestures are the necessarily it either like you know people like to look to them like a movie like minority report comes right. up as like the canonical reference of uh you know what future computing will look like right where but i don't see that because i look at that and i'm like no way man that maybe it's just me but i look at that and like if i had to sit there for eight hours or eight to ten hours a day you know moving my hands in around air. in the air and doing things like you're gonna get tired from that yeah now there's there's got to be a better way. Hey, one last thing, seeing as how we've gone completely off script and way past our closing statement, um, I mean, why not, right? Virtual reality is this really going to be that big, or is it going to be a bunch of people getting sick and, and having no, headaches and it, weird it's, problems? It's over too time? hard to say, man, because we haven't seen it. Everything we've ever seen so far is you got to wear some stupid goggles and you got to wear ones. some heavy contraption on your head, and is it? They're all like experiments. I don't even know if I would call it a toy, but they're definitely, no matter what version of it you're talking about, they're still very experimental. Yeah. And they're cool. There's some cool ones out there. Don't well, get me neat. wrong. They're very neat. But 
Is it is it going to be a thing where everybody by the age of thirty is going to have optical migraine headaches every day of the week because they strap some crap to their head? This is what I'm saying. Wake me up when when we get to Ready Player One. Mm. Have you read that, Joe? You? No, I haven't read that one. Joe? Yep. So, uh, you know, just for Alan's edification, like just uh, without ruining anything about the story, uh, you know, a big uh, part of it is that, you know, Normal people's daily lives, uh, you know, to do a lot of your normal functioning, and in, in that you wear a virtual reality helmet, and you know that's where you would do. Like if you were going to go to school, for example, okay, you wouldn't actually have to leave your house. It's not necessary to leave your house, right? You could just you just wear your your virtual reality helmet and go to your virtual school, and that's how you interact with the world. Now, obviously, if you need to, you know. Make dinner. You're not going to do that with your virtual reality helmet on, but yeah, I, I wonder where it's all going. It, it's going to be it, things are going to get crazy, especially now with the new what Titan that just came out that supposedly can do VR at some crazy frame rates. So yeah, I don't know. Who's don't by know. the way? Which it's one of you guys is bad. dropping uh, a K on that thing? On yeah. the on the Titan? Yeah. No, it's going to be a monster. No, it virtual reality. I mean, it feels like we've been talking about virtual reality for generations. And oh, we have. It's totally. still, it's still just a, a fantasy. It's still just experimental. It hasn't happened yet. It's much like it's much like how 3D TVs like five years ago were all the rage, and it's like, why do do I really want to sit in my living room and wear these sunglasses to watch TV just so it feels like? Uh, you know, I'm right there. I will say there's one thing, and I think it might've been John that sent it to us where there is a place. And I think it's in Australia where there's a huge warehouse set up and you strap on a virtual reality helmet and it's like fighting zombies. And so the difference is instead of standing in one spot in a room, spinning around in circles and looking around and using a controller to move, you are actually walking around this warehouse and you were peeking around corners and doing stuff like that. All right. That's I mean, really interesting, but who's going to have space like that? Like, I mean, that'd okay, be cool. So let me schedule do. a vacation for Australia real quick so I can wear a HoloLens. And, totally. Oh, dude, I want a HoloLens. But yeah. I mean, was I, I don't know if it was a HoloLens that you had to wear. No, it was more like an Oculus Rift type thing. But it, well, no, please tell me it wasn't Oculus Rift. I hope for more. I, it was something similar. I mean, it was existing tech. So. I think it might have been. I the mean, Oculus. we've both tried Oculus Rift. What did you think? So it was cool. Um, part of the problem that we had was we were strapped to a laptop with a very short cord, right? And it wasn't a high-end video processing thing, but it wasn't. So okay. with Man, that, well, okay, fine. Then maybe I'll reserve judgment. Yeah, I mean, I think that until you actually hook up to a rig that can actually handle this stuff, it's it's hard to say. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Is it cool for five minutes? Cool for fifteen? Cool right. For four hours? Right. Hmm. Right. And that's the problem, right? We all remember the Virtual Boy. You guys remember that thing? Oh yeah. They scrapped it because people were having migraines. And oh, people was were this getting the? Uh, this was like the handheld uh, thing. No, no, this was the Nintendo one that was yeah. all uh, red, like uh, infrared yep. or not infrared, but it was red stuff, and it had great depth. Like this is old. Yeah, but that's what I meant. Like it, it was like a Nintendo Game Boy or something. 
But it was it was yeah. yeah. You go to Blockbuster, you stick your face in the smelly little thing, and then you play tennis with Mario. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love how you put wow. that. Wow, it's so yeah. true. Well, but yet so accurate. About, we are totally going the wrong direction, guys. I mean, Stranger Things just came out. You just talked about Ready Player One, which had huge '80s influence. I mean, I think we're going back to 2D games, riding our bicycles, and. Uh, Hairspraying our hairs. Heck yeah! <laughs> I'll just have to settle for hairspraying the hair on my arm. <laughs> I, oh man, I was so looking for it. I was like, what kind of what kind of job is Alan going to do here with his hair that he's going to need hairspray for? Like, I I will pay to see this. I'll have mohawks on my forearms. <laughs> oh man, this would be awesome! Like little spikes. Like you look like some kind of weird dinosaur. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll oh, more man. in Pokemon and Guns of Roses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I'll tell you this reality. though. Because uh, I mentioned Ready Player One, and I so totally cannot wait for that movie next year. Oh, so, is it coming out? 2017. Okay, cool. If you have not read the book, Do you it. should read the book. All right. Uh, I will go download it on because, the Kindle. Because I think we've talked about my, my book preferences before, yep. but I very, very much like uh, books that are heavy into technology, right? Yeah. Like, the the more technology, the better. And I don't mean like... It's all robotic, you know, robots or things like that. But, um, you know, Realistic. just more computer type technology is used and, and is like a core uh, piece of the of the storyline, right? And Ready Player One is one of those where it's not like nerdy tech, uh, you know, where like every sentence you read, you're like, wait, what was that acronym? But yet uh, there's enough, you know, technology into it but then as joe mentioned a lot of uh 80s flashbacks take a stab at how many reviews are on amazon for that book for ready player one don't look oh yeah take right. a stab at it Fourteen thousand. um i'm gonna say twenty five thousand. i'm surprised that either one of you guessed that high there are ten thousand three hundred thirty one reviews on that book that is wow. insane no uh, that's a, because I mean, if you think about the fraction of people who actually review something versus actually go do or buy something, it's usually a very small fraction. That is a lot of people. So yeah. I just searched that on Amazon, and the number two result was actually uh, the title is I kid you not, Armada colon a novel by the author of Pretty Player One. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? And that <laughs> one only has three and a half stars. They deserve it for cheating like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so Ernest Klein put a review. And you're saying, no, just say if you search Ready Player One, the second result is uh, the title is Armada colon, a novel by the author of Ready Player One. So he's definitely trying to uh, cash in on the oh, cash in on his SEO there. Yes, which is is. totally fine, but just funny. Yeah, it is fine. I guess it depends on your your Google search there because, uh, no, on Amazon, search on Amazon. Oh, on Amazon, yeah. Oh, nobody searches for books on Google. What, what you do that for? Wait, hold on, let's see. <laughs> we have totally gone off the rails. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> we, to- we even skipped the section. It, I it know. totally did. It's a quarter after 12. We're it's, just uh, rambling on. Uh, yeah, but it's got, out of those 10,000 reviews, man, it's got a 4.6 star rating. So. Oh, it's impressive. Like, there's no doubt. Never tell let's, me let, time. let's see here. The, oh, sorry. <laughs> In the year 2044, reality is an ugly place. The only time teenage Wade Watts really feels alive 
is when he's jacked into the virtual utopia known as the Oasis. Wade's devoted his life to studying the puzzles hidden within the world's digital confines, puzzles that are based on their creator's obsession with the pop culture of decades past and that promise massive power and fortune to whoever can unlock them. But when Wade stumbles upon the first clue, he finds himself beset by players willing to kill to take this ultimate prize. The race is on, and if Wade's going to survive, he'll have to win and confront the real world he's always been so desperate to escape. And by the way, it's only nine ninety nine on Kindle, and I'm <laughs> buying it right now. Uh, you, Audible, the Audible book's really good. Oh, really? You will not regret it. Man. Get them both. I can't do that. I can't Whisper do. Sink. Yeah, man. How much is the Audible book? Seven forty nine. Oh, really? Well, credit. <laughs> no, it's not going to be It's going to be like seventeen ninety nine at minimum. What? No, no, it, it actually seven forty nine, dude. That's cheap. Uh, that's crazy. I know it's never that cheap. No, it's always one credit or like forty dollars. <laughs> add Audible. Nar- oh no, that's bullcrap, dude. It is add Audible narration to your purchase, so it's seven forty nine on uh, top of nine ninety nine. Still isn't uh, horrible. Still isn't horrible. I don't know, man. I got buy with one click for seven forty nine. What are you talking about? Thirty one fifty is how much it actually costs on Audible. If you're a member, you can get it for twenty two oh five or one credit. Actually, I don't think Audible narration is the same. Maybe I don't know how to use Narrated Amazon. Will Wheaton. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me just. I wonder. I think I might already have this thing. What is the Instant difference? Wesley Crusher. What is the difference between audible narration and audiobook? It's got to be different. Well, I don't want the computer reading it. Right, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's the same. See, all uh, 14 formats. They got serious about this. Oh, the audio. All right, so the audio CD, audiobook, CD, unabridged is 2150 That's not terrible. Not horrible. On CD? Yeah, well, audio... Well, no, audio CD, audiobook, CD, unabridged. I don't know if that... Here, let me see. So you can do... All right, I feel like Amazon is hard to navigate nowadays. Too much stuff. There Too much is. Everything. There really is. All right. So with that, are we actually going to end the show tonight? Uh, Well, I mean, I was actually going to see if I had it. I was going to buy that audiobook and see if the 749, what that did. But whatever. We can save right. myself well, 749. we should talk about Stranger Things. Because it's amazing. I do, like, I, I, I do like it. You can't go to sleep. Not <laughs> <laughs> thinking about Stranger Things. Actually, I've only watched the first episode, and it was really cool. But then I had to go watch Ballers. So, dude, no, you got to watch the show. It's amazing. All right. It's amazing. The Rock, honestly, The Rock is the best acting he's ever done. It's probably because it's real close to what he is like in real life, more than likely. And I feel like my uh, Audible account, something is wrong here because it's just saying that I don't have anything. <laughs> so uh, maybe I can't. But, uh, oh, well, no, there it is. It says I don't. So let's find out what this 750 does. Are you buying it? <clears throat> You're just going to throw um, away $7.50. I'm going to, I'm going to, can I expense this? All right. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not approving it. Oh, come on. <laughs> Wow, you guys, you guys are cruel. Um, I'm just googling what narrated by Audible means. Well, that's weird. It says I just upgraded. 
with professional narration. Oh, I wonder if it was because I already owned the Kindle version. Yeah, that's what it was. It says you had to own it, and then for an additional seven forty nine, you can get narration. Oh, yeah, I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, apparently. Well, okay. Well, now I am the What's proud. The uh, Let's hear it. Stick it up to the mic. <laughs> All right. All right. You asked for it. Let's and see. Wade Wilson was walking down the street <laughs> and. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. I feel like you guys are conspiring to keep me awake past midnight. Dude, it's way past midnight. You might as well just stay uh, up now. <laughs> There's no reason yeah, no to, point go to go to bed now. That's right, man. Random House Audio presents Ready Player One. Is that by the narration? Klein. That's the audio book. Yeah. By Will Wheaton. Yeah, it's the audio book. Dude, that's actually a good deal. Chapter Zero. Yep. Starts Everyone with Chapter I Zero. I mean, that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's amazing. Index equals zero. I mean, I'm I'm playing this from my iPhone, so uh, I could at least crank up the volume so you could hear it. Announcing that James Halliday had died during the night. Is that what it sounds like usually? I've heard of Halliday, of yep. course. Everyone had. All right, I'm buying them. I mean, that's exciting. Yeah, that was playing at a single speed, though. Yeah, nobody can handle that. Yeah, no, we got to crank that stuff up. uh, Steve Jobs' ghost is going to kick us out of the the Apple store for... uh, (laughs) No. Hey, man, Leo Leo does it all the time. We're fine. (laughs) Well, I think Audible is a sponsor for him, though. Hey, Audible. (laughs) Right? Hey, there's this (laughs) podcast called Coding Blog. (laughs) All right, so... Uh, we'll include a link to Ready Player One because why not? It's an amazing book. Yeah, totally. Are you still recording, Joe? Yeah. Are you eating your microphone? Are you still awake? Uh, you know what? Um, logic stopped on me, and I don't know when or how or what. So, All right. Well, so that would have been the third episode in a row that you would have had problems with logic. So this yep. was already a worthwhile investment. Cool. All right. Yeah, so yeah, with have... that, let's just say subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> Hey, yeah, wait a we're, we're done. I memorized all this. We can do it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, it's been fun. This is a long episode. All right. Later. Later. Later.